live. Welcome to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. It is February 17th for episode 17. Up on the show today, we're going to talk a little Ohio College basketball, some um, rough goings with coaches in both Cleveland and Cincinnati, maybe a little bit of uh, Baker Mayfield talk, and then also talk about the wide world of baseball with the new playoff formats and the Astros just putting their foot in their mouth repeatedly. Alrighty, well, to get to introductions, of course, I am Greg, the talent, the one who steers the ship around, but got a new setup here in the 30 Rack studio. Across from me today is a man who steals more hearts than the Astros steal signs. It's Zach. Zach, how are we doing today? Oh, Greg, thanks for that lovely Valentine's Day-based uh, welcome. No, I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk some baseball and, you know, some Cheesecake Factory. Oh, who wouldn't want to? And speaking of Cheesecake Factory, to my right is a man who would always wine you and dine you well at the Cheesecake Factory. The guy on the ones and twos, Josh, how we doing today? Uh, that was, that was a, uh, I don't know what to say about that intro. I, lovely. I don't feel good about Cheesecake Factory right now. What? It's weird. I've been craving it nonstop, and I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I don't One know why, too. I do places. really want some cheesecake, some, uh, some we'll black raspberry or something. I don't From know. From the Cheesecake Factory. We should do a oh, show from the Cheesecake Factory. That's such a good 30 idea. 30 Rag Live goes to the Cheesecake <laughs> yeah. Factory. That's a fantastic idea. Let's do it next week from That's the Cheesecake idea. Factory. All righty. Well, you know what? The one thing that we can't get at too many uh, cheesecake factories. They serve alcohol there. Yeah, but normally they serve like the Bud Lights, the Coors Lights. Uh, Bud Light, brewed in Columbus. <laughs> yeah. What we really That's need here. is some craft beer from Ohio. It t- helps us get through all these horrible news stories involving Cavs coaches, FCC coaches, Baker Mayfield in general. All of our teams are probably going to stink at some point, so... Zach, what are we drinking today? Uh, yeah, we have a uh, called Elvis Juice. It's a grapefruit-infused IPA from uh, BrewDog Brewery in Columbus, Ohio. Um, according to the box, looks like these fellows were born in Scotland, but now they live in, they brought it to Columbus. So. Yeah, this was uh, this was uh, used to be a show on TV. They had the BrewDog, so they used to go around and try some different flavors, and they decided to open up their brewery in Columbus. So oh, I didn't it's one know. of the big ones. Um, you know, they're, I think they're trying to set up some sites in other places, but this is Ohio Brewed and uh, a really good Columbus brewery. Oh, yeah, I needed that. We're mm. recording on Monday. Ooh, I it's really been a long like Monday. That. Yeah. Need a, need a good cold Ohio beer today. That's a really taste the grapefruit in a good way. Yeah. But it's there, but it's not overpowering. Mm-mm. That's two good mm. uh, IPA combos we've had yeah. these past two weeks. Sour IPA, yeah. yeah, and the grapefruit IPA. So at some point, we need to try something awful or just something else really good. So, Why are you insistent on wanting to drink something bad? Yeah, there might not be something bad. Yeah. It might just be, we might just li- live in a land of great beer. I want to push. Have you ever considered that? I want to push us to the limits of Ohio beer. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll get there at some point. Whatever we can find. If there's any beer that you want us to try, your favorite beer. You want us to build it up or tear it down? Your least favorite beer you want us to try because you don't like us? Or anything in between? 
Shout us out at 30 Rack Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know what you want us to drink. And hey, have a beer and drink along while you're listening, especially after a long Monday or Tuesday night. Unless, you know, you listen to podcasts in your car and you're driving. I mean, it just might be a couple words. Well, <laughs> no, do not do PSA it. announcement. Do not do that. I was just kidding. 30 Rack Podcast does not condone drinking never. and driving. Because if you do that, you'll probably end up in the news and you'll hear you'll hear this. And then we'll have to talk about you when we hear this. The news music. Greg? The news music. Well, we start off with a little bit of Ohio sports news. Starting off with the team that was just moved up into the top five in the AP poll. The Dayton Flyers continue rolling with a 2-0 week with wins versus Rhode Island and at UMass to take their win streak up to 14 games. OB Toppin had 22 points and 10 rebounds, including a vicious dunk over his brother Jacob in the win versus Rhode Island, with Crutcher adding 21 and 6. Toppin also had 19 and 7 over a win versus UMass. Uh, the Flyers are now up two games after that win against Rhode Island. This week they have VCU tomorrow and at home against Duquesne on Saturday. The Buckeyes also having a big week, big bounce back week with wins at home versus Rutgers and Purdue. Caleb Wesson and Andre Wesson both having 13 points combining for 15 rebounds. Kyle Young was the star versus Purdue having 16 and 7. Buckeyes joining the AP poll again up to number 25. But a uh, tough week this week as they go to number 20 uh, Iowa and then home versus number 7 Maryland. The Bearcats also had a 2-0 week but in a very different kind of way with two overtime wins. Uh, a comeback win over Memphis, 92-86, and then a close overtime win versus ECU, uh, both in overtime. They've had six overtime games this year, which is the most that they've had since the 70s. Uh, versus Memphis, Trayvon Scott had 25 points and 19 rebounds. Uh, Jaron Cumberland, 15 points, 13 of those coming at the free throw line. Overcame a 10-point uh, deficit with just 6.17 to go. Versus ECU uh, was kind of a slog for the Bearcats. Jaron Cumberland fouling out during regulation, but Keith Williams had 17 points, and the team was able to overcome 22 turnovers and 5 of 16 from the free throw line. In MAC action, Akron beat Bowling Green 74-59 behind Lauren Jackson's 28-point performance. The Zips are now just a half game back of the Falcons in the MAC East. Uh, for UC football, Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman both rumored at different points to be leaving UC for Michigan State. Both have turned down the job and announced that they are staying in Cincinnati. Uh, on some tougher notes, going to the pro side of things in Ohio, Jackets were winless this week, including a shootout loss to New Jersey last night, and are now 0-2-3 in their last five games after going a month without losing a game uh. in regulation. The Cavs, um, per ESPN, though they've been off for the All-Star break, still finding a place to make news. Per ESPN, Cavs and coach John Beeline have discussed parting ways, and the expectation is that a decision will be made in the next day or so. Beeline is just six months into a five-year contract. Apparently some of this comes as Beeline has struggled to transition to the NBA and has been noted as miserable by those close to him dealing with some of the fallout from some issues as well as um, the team's poor play. Assistant J.B. Bickerstaff would likely take over on an interim basis if Beeline is let go. 
down to FC Cincinnati, uh, Coach Ron Jans has stepped away from the team during an investigation to whether he had used inappropriate language uh, around players, including racial slurs and uh, certain inappropriate jokes. FCC forward Darren Maddox has been charged with two felonies in Pennsylvania. Uh, one was making a false, fraudulent, or incomplete insurance claim, and the other is theft by deception in Carroll Township, Pennsylvania. So, big week for FC Cincinnati. Yikes. Big week for yeah. potential coaching changes, and uh, a lot of good on the college basketball scope, but not really a whole lot good aside of that. Yeah, it was a really fun week for college basketball here in Ohio, but aside from college basketball, uh, pretty awful weekend <laughs> for Ohio sports, I'd say. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, just a tad. Had, yeah, just, just a unfortunate situations uh, for many coaches, um, and then just not great situations. Who would have called? Kind of said it better. Who would have called John Beeline being out this early? Oh, we wait talked a about wait a minute. that. Oh yeah, that was us. We, we said talked that. about it all the time. You, I mean, you were the one that would say I the. The optimist of the team was saying, uh, maybe maybe another year. We'll see what happens at the beginning of next year. You were like, no, get him out. Get him out right away. And at this point, it seems like he doesn't even want to be in there with the thugs and slugs issue, with some, you know, the Kevin Love issue, the fact that he might not be able to be getting through to some of the, you know, actual professional age players inside of like all the teenagers that they have. Right. And just the fact that the team is has the second worst record in the league and you know, really hasn't been developing the young guys as much as you'd like to see. I mean, Sexton obviously was in the Rising Stars game. He's looked better. Garland kind of has this slow development coming, but you expected to see a little bit more out of this team than you have so far. It's been ugly. Um, yeah, I' not surprised. I think, I mean, there's been rumors out there for a while that he's not been um, too happy since making the move, really, I think. Once again, you bring a guy who spent 40 years in college and then expect him, you know, that dynamic is just so different. Yeah, there. and you can't you can't expect the guy to change his coaching ways enough to make that jump and then you can't expect what he did in college to work in the pros. I mean, you've seen some Hall of Fame coaches try to go to the oh, NBA. Yeah. And really, I mean, Larry Brown was okay, but aside of that, yeah, Larry Brown's some success because AI, but otherwise, I mean, yeah. I mean, Billy been... Donovan had a little bit of success, but he also had Durant and Westbrook. Um, Calipari right. was a failure. Uh, Rick Pitino was a failure. Go on and on. Yeah, you can pretty much go on. I, I mean, I can't even think of any more off the top of my head because a, a lot of smarter franchises have kind of gotten past that point of just hiring whatever the big college coach is to, to come over, but... Yeah, I mean, I Cavs kind of took that that risk. Yeah, I was. I mean, I don't blame the Cavs for going down that road. You're in a rebuild. Might as well try something different. But I was kind of shocked. Beeline wanted to do that, and then you know, he's an offensive guy. That's what he's known for: his creative offense. And uh, I think they said literally like two weeks into the season, he was just frustrated trying to get these guys to play his offensive sets. They just scrapped them all, and all of a sudden they're running just real basic NBA style sets, and that's just not. Yeah. the way he coaches and and that's um, the thing you know you'd think maybe going into this situation he would know what what he's in for and maybe you know maybe it's and I don't even think you know he's one of these guys that's you know so full of himself but to a degree a lot of the coaches are you know they right. think they can beat you you know just like athletes 
and some of them get a little bit too far ahead of themselves and, and go to the pro ranks. I mean, you see it in pretty much, well, it's certainly basketball and football, but probably to a degree, pretty much every sport. You think you can, you know, hang with the bigger boys, go to the professional level, but especially for basketball, it's so different when these guys are making more money than you and you really need some sort of buy-in in order to run the system. And mm-hmm. these professional guys just aren't going to run the college system because they just don't feel like it's going to work. make more money than you guys. I'm talking about the dynamic. you got half these guys. I don't know what I haven't looked at, like the salaries or anything, but I'm assuming at least probably half those guys are making more money than he is. Yeah, all the, probably all the guys, or at least most of the guys that are getting meaningful playing time, and definitely all the guys that are – Mm-hmm. Getting meaningful playing time and are on their second contract or getting yeah. more than and Beeline's paid fine for an NBA head coach, but right. that's just what it is. But that power dynamic there, it's um, yeah. I mean, we've always said like Greg, you were saying how there has to be a buy-in, and we've always said when we've talked about this issue that we've always been like, why? You know, why does he? Why does he want to do this? Why does he want this job? And. We've, it seems like there's never really been an answer to that. No, I, like I said, I was shocked he took it. He had a good thing going um, up there in uh, Ann Arbor. and Yeah, because one of my thoughts is is to a degree when I was thinking and a lot of the same people are kind of, you know, thought to be, I guess, in the mix if he, if he steps down, you know, maybe a guy like Bickerstaff who's on the, you know, who's on that staff who's, you know, run through some rebuilds with the Grizzlies and stuff like that. Maybe one of the hot assistant coaches that's coming through. Heck, even Becky Hammond, who's now a, a front row assistant coach for the Spurs, her name was kind of floated around. Mm-hmm. And it's just there's a lot of these guys that, you know, if you pick some of the best minds of an assistant coach, like you saw it with, with the Raptors and Nick Nurse last year, if you can find a guy who has that NBA experience and kind of knows how it works, they can rise up pretty well. But I think it was just too much of a transition for a team that's in transition for a lot of players that are in transition and a coach trying to get acclimated because if you're a player, you know, especially a lot of the guys that were in their contract year, you just, yeah, you don't want to deal with that. Well, and let's, I mean, let's, we talk about this a little last week with the Luke Fickle situation between Cincinnati and Michigan state. You got to look at these coaching situations and just because it's a certain name with a certain team or what have you, doesn't mean it's like automatically a good fit. Oh yeah. Just because it's, you know, a move from college to NBA, just because it's the Cavs who are coming off a championship season a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's a good fit still. And I've never thought that uh he's really had the skills to take where the Cavs are and their transition and rebuild. Like, did you really like look at this guy a college coach and be like, "Oh, he's got the chops to rebuild an NBA team all of a sudden?" Yeah, and that that doesn't make sense. That was also no. one of my thoughts. Is if you look at a lot of these, and some you know some coaches have come from college, but I think it's one of those things. And you know, a lot of the top coaches, like a like a Beeline or you know like a Calipari or, or something like that, they'd probably be best suited to jump from the coaching ranks of college to an assistant coach position in the NBA. Yeah, allow them to give off some of the skills that they have but not have to take the whole undertaking and be able to learn kind of the NBA game, but still, you know, be allowed to, like, I know one of the assistant coaches for the Cavs now is a former women's coach at Cal, Lindsay Gottlieb. And she said, you know, there's some differences, but there's also, you know, she can give her two cents, but also learn from some of the guys on the staff, like a J.B. Bickerstaff that has Mm -hmm. the coaching experience. And I just think when you're making that much of a transition, kind of having all that power and whatnot, 
you're just kind of in over your head. And then if you don't get the buy-in, then you're just frustrated. Players are frustrated. The team doesn't do well. And everybody's kind of looking at each other like, what do we do here? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's it's a weird situation. I, I really think we called I we called this. We did. We, we called, called this. We so, called it. Listen I, here if you want to know what's going to happen in the future. Well, hey, speaking of uh, one thing that we called to another thing that we were all pretty sure about to a degree is for UC football, both Luke Fickle mm-hmm. and Marcus Freeman staying with the Bearcats. We were both saying more than a 50% chance yeah. that he stays. And, you know, what do you know? Monday morning comes around and he, you know, meets with the AD and he says he's staying. And there was kind of the deal, you know, in Colorado with the coach, uh, kind Mel of Tucker. Yeah, yeah Mel Tucker. Uh, kind of oh. Did you back. hear? Did you hear he was? Uh, he apparently pulled like a Brian Kelly. Like they put on yeah. this big fundraiser dinner for him. Meanwhile, like his agents are literally finishing up the details on the contract and everything. They're like livid. They apparently want to send him the bill. Like they're going to send him the bill. For well, this that was event. like uh, <laughs> under his. Uh, he had a tweet that was something like hey i'm, I'm staying here oh you know, yeah we hashtag unfinished business all that stuff yeah. well <laughs> one there point was a- somebody pointed out on that though they're saying that was that was after they initially only offered him like two million yeah. so they're saying he did turn it down they went after fickle and then they came back around to like the six million yeah but there was a guy who was right under and one of the top replies that said hey thank you so much like i finally feel confidence in this program um renewed his season tickets donated some money to like the buffalo fund for the football team oh, and man. then like a day later this oh, happened man Ugh. yeah i mean I, I i'm gonna i'm gonna jeer this a little bit later at the end of the show but there's some of the Are things you? that he said in his press conference mm. uh, his uh, his introduction press conference at michigan state that i was just like man like how can you even listen to this guy <laughs> and believe a word he's saying right now just the way he left after saying no, yeah, I, that whole that whole coaching search, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's just because you're the whatever program or you're in this conference or the big whatever doesn't mean it's automatically like a great job, you know? Right. No, yeah, it doesn't. For sure. In both these situations that we're talking about, we're talking about a Cavs uh, mm-hmm. program that really needs to go through a rebuild, like an all-out rebuild. And then you're talking about a Michigan State program that's got Lord knows what is going to get handed down on them or well, what else is going to like, – what other investigations are going to get opened. Right. I mean that's been like the USC job for so many years yeah. is you see it and you think, hey, this is this is one of the premier programs. You look at you know all the Heisman winners and everything else from there and you think this is a great job. But then you realize you know, for a while they had all of the – Sanctions being handed down. They had the, the whole Sarkeesian thing. They just tried to kind of level it out. And now they've kind of been, you know, a mediocre, you know, they've been a guy that plays in the New Mexico Bowl or whatever it is every year, you know, seven and five, six and six. And to a degree, it really takes down the program. And that's kind of where Michigan State has been at. You know, their recruiting has been pretty weak the last couple of years under D'Antonio. Mm-hmm. And really at the end of the day, you know. I mean, I don't know if, I, if I'm him. I'm Yeah, I mean, like you're saying, yeah, they can offer more money. The Big Ten's got a little more prestige right now than what the Pac-12 has. But I'm looking at, look, who you have to compete with. You're not going to compete with Ohio State. You're probably not going to recruit with Penn State. You're probably not going to – you're going to be right there with Michigan. Maybe they it still have like more of that It looks like Michigan's recruiting blood. more than them. Right. 
Um, Pac 12 is nothing right now. I don't, you know, you could have yeah. built something there. I mean, Colorado has history. You know, yeah. Cordell Stewart, they won a national title. Um, I don't know. It was weird. I guess I. Also, did you hear the other kind of rumor of the mess at Michigan State? I think the one what? of the rumors going around about D'Antonio was that, you know, he had kind of made his inclination that he was going to retire at some point and they wanted to, um, he wanted to help out with the interview process, choose his successor, maybe someone from his staff, and then Michigan State started reaching out feelers to other coaches. Well, like Nick Saban was yeah. part of the reason they hired Mel Tucker. So. I mean, I don't know, maybe the guy work out. I just, yeah, I mean, I maybe, it, it maybe it does work out for Tucker in Michigan State. You know, I'm fine. all for getting paid. Go get your money. I'm not saying that. I just, it, it, yeah, these coaches I, get in these weird situations. You put yourself in that situation. That's though. what I, you know, I've never been offered five million dollars or what no. have you. But I, I just am more in like like the fic, fickle standpoint is that you have something here that mm-hmm. you're in the midst of building. Sometimes comfortability is okay. Yeah, yeah, I that's fine. What's wrong with like? That. Would you rather continue to build on your success on the one program and leave a lasting impact, mm-hmm. or would you go rather go like make five to ten million dollars more to deal with the whole mess of problems and? Completely rebuild Plus, a program well, that's going to be low on I mean, resources. Boulder's way prettier than East the, Lansing. Well, oh, my, yeah, I'm, my not, other, I'm not arguing that. My other issue with it, I mean, to a degree, is especially guys. You know, you kind of saw it with Willie Taggart. Is if you look at a guy like Mel Tucker, when you're jumping from coach, you know, he was a coach at Colorado for a year, and I understand right. he did a good job. And you know, uh, Taggart did a pretty good job at Oregon, Oregon for, for a, a year. year. You know, they were kind of mediocre, but you could see they were kind of on the up and up. When now you that jump, a state man, that well, I was going to say when oh. you jump to these jobs so quickly, you're giving yourself such a razor thin, you know. Oh, yeah. Either it works out or it doesn't, and if it doesn't work out, then you'll find your way. I mean, he was an, you know, either an assistant somewhere else or, like Willie Taggart, you know, coaching FAU now, where like Jim McElwain, you know, jumping around a lot and mm-hmm. coaching Central Michigan again. So it's just one of those things where it's so razor thin, and I understand when you have the opportunity, especially for all the money. To jump up, you do it, but man, you're one you're one or two bad seasons away from the boosters getting mad, them canning you, and yes, you still have all the guaranteed money, but if you're really a coach and you want to be the best, having to fall back down to, you know, offensive coordinator somewhere or, you know, UTSA or something like that, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. I would have stayed at Colorado. That's me personally. I don't know. You got something going. Like I think going to your razor thin part at these jobs, these perfect fits are razor thin. Right. Like, How many times do you see a coach have a great success somewhere? Maybe he went to the NFL, not kind of Nick Saban, comes back and then struggles at these other jobs. He had a perfect fit. There's so many different variables that go into this. Yeah. Thing. Also, yeah. Also, fit, I mean, I know he's a he's a Cleveland guy. He's originally from Cleveland, so I understand uh, kind okay. of the localness. But yeah. you know. That was always the worry, and I mean, Michigan State wouldn't have been too bad for that. But you look at a lot of these coaches, they have these roots in recruiting certain areas. Right. And when you move, area, you know, like Taggart, you're moving, you know, from one place kind of in the middle to the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. I mean, Taggart was weird, to- though, because Florida, he's from Florida. Like, you thought he was going to have great success. That was a whole – but I heard yeah. there's a lot of issues with Florida State and their Oh, yeah, but I, I'm just talking but- about the, the recruiting yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So. That's certainly something that could be an issue. All right, moving on to the last big coaching sort of debacle um, into soccer and FC Cincinnati. And this is certainly not one of the stories you, you want to hear ever from your team. 
but definitely not one that you want to hear right before the season starts, you know, in a couple weeks here. And with a team that's, you know, trying to get back on track after a rough first season, um, as we mentioned for FC Cincinnati, Coach Ron Jans has stepped away from the team. There's an investigation, and I believe uh, most of the reports point to two specific times. One was him walking through the uh, dressing room during the preseason, singing a song with the N-word in it, and actually saying the N-word. And then the other uh, story was last time they were uh, in D.C. to play D.C. United last year. Um, he was making some jokes about slavery. So certainly some serious stuff. I'm going to pull up a picture of this guy. What's this guy look like? Um, Ron Jans? He's a Dutch guy. Ah, uh, wow. He's a 61-year-old uh, Dutch guy. <laughs> um, I was I was very surprised uh, when I heard this just because, I mean, in the short time that Ron Jans has been in Cincinnati, he's seemed like just a jolly old nice man. Um, but um, mm. – it's interesting to see the difference in this guy, the American reporting. Yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. The difference between the American reporting or comments, what have you, and then the Dutch reports, um, and kind of what the Dutch sports reporters are saying about this. And brushed and, up on your Dutch recently, yeah, right? Yeah. What have you been doing? Yeah, uh, I did some Dutch reading today. Um, and what's interesting is that all the Dutch articles kind of explain start off by explaining why what he did was bad. And so it's interesting, I think, to see... Wait, what? Yeah, they're like, they are it, over there, like, it's confusing to them why... Oh, because they're white. Yeah. Yeah, they don't yeah. deal with it's, that. Well, also, I mean, there's some difference culturally probably well, between, you know... Yeah, I'm just talking, right. it speaks to the larger, um, huge mix of culture differences in MLS... And how these type of situations, while they're already kind of messy to start with, get even messier because there's so many different cultural barriers. Um, But I do know, uh, I have been told from uh, FC Cincinnati uh, subreddit that uh, Ron Jans has been told he will receive a decision on his future from FC Cincinnati on Thursday of this week. Okay, wow, yeah, so at least pretty quick on that. And I mean... uh, for a lot of people, I know Zach's not one of these people because he's plugged into soccer, right? Always, oh, right? All away. the time. All oh, time. Yeah. But, you know, especially in, in Europe, racism is just a huge deal in soccer. I know it's something that's been big in the Italian league this year. There was a guy who walked off the field because of racist chants in Portugal last weekend. So it's certainly something that's not just a, a U.S. issue, but it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a world soccer issue. But, Certainly some serious allegations, and from one serious allegation to FCC to another one, uh, forward Darren Maddox, you know, as we said, the two, char- the two felony charges for the false, fraudulent, or incomplete insurance claim and theft by deception. So once again, when you're trying to rebuild a team and, and get yourself back to prominence, Josh, well, get to prominence, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Josh couldn't wait to pull that. He's got a big smile on his face. Well, just because it was one of those, it's it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, one of those Ohio Cincinnati things. Like if, and I do expect that he will be let go, um, but it's just one of those things. This is now twice that FC Cincinnati has been like two weeks from opening the season and something happens where we lose our coach. And it's just one of those things where, you know, for every good, you know, step forward for a team, there has to be some sort of step backwards. And right. 
you know, Darren Maddox, uh, I don't think was ever in the plans. I mean, they've said that he hasn't really been in the plans for the 2020 season. But uh, yeah, and like you said, Greg, dealing dealing with racism and hate in soccer right now is a very big issue. It's probably the number one, you know, political issue in the sport right now. And so I just don't think that there's like, abs there's zero tolerance on it right now, as there should be. And that's why I'm not really expecting him to be here as of next week. So unfortunate weekend all around for sports. Ohio sports and just well, sports. Well, at, yeah. at least for professional sports. I mean, college sports in turn Ohio. Turning the corner. Yeah. Turning the corner. I mean, we could start with any of these teams. I think, Zach, we'll, we'll mm. get you back involved huh. after you were dominating we, the soccer conversation. We want to <laughs> we wanna take a beer break real oh, yeah, quick and then uh, come back on some happy college basketball notes. Okay. Wild, wild week in college basketball. Wild week in basketball. I mean, yeah, the basketball in general. Game, yeah, yeah, that's right. As we mentioned, it was Zach's choice this week. He brought um, Brewdog's Elvis Juice, the grapefruit-infused IPA with natural citrus flavors. Got to lay down some bars real quick. I love that beat. Go ahead. Lay some bars uh, for Yo. Elvis Juice. Uh, 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 uh. Elvis Juice. <laughs> uh, Sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla. A zest zenith. On the nose, fruity foreplay gives way to a truckload of grapefruit and orange, an interstate pileup of citrus. A frenzied fruit cocktail of flavor builds to a crescendo, and a bitter finale leaves you screaming for more. What That's did I a just perfect. Read? What did I just read? That's a, this oh is a perfect God. beer for talking about Baker Mayfield in a little bit. That just explained a. Um, Wow. Well, we'll get was, to that. Yeah, but yeah, that but that, covered, honestly, this that beer was, uh, can just covered like half the topics on our show today. That was elegant. Whoever it, wrote this, Brewdog, whoever wrote this, it was my, very elegant. Yeah, oh. that is beautiful. Uh, I might like get a that gentle, tattooed on my back. A gentleman or, or gentlewoman and a scholar. I'll have to get it right under the right under the angel wings for me. Oh yeah, yeah. your angel, your big angel wings. There. Your chess piece that you got that wasn't finished before you hit a home run in the uh, ALCS. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It says Melanie, and I'm pretty sure he hopped in a chair yesterday. Ah, uh, yeah, or whatever yeah. his wife's daughter's name. We'll get to that. Well, wouldn't his wife's daughter's name be his daughter's name? <laughs> well, I was saying like his. I can't remember if it's his wife or his daughter. Yeah, uh, Brewdog Elvis Juice, fantastic grapefruit IPA. It's our beer of the week. We'll talk about it more later. We have a uh, college basketball now to get to. College basketball. Ohio teams on the up and up. We'll start with Zach's Ohio State Buckeyes. 2-0 this week with wins. First Rutgers and Purdue. Big turning point for the Buckeyes this week, Zach. Well, I mean, maybe. Let's, uh, you know, getting back to 500 in Big Ten play, so that's nice. Uh, Wesson Brothers doing work. Kyle Young had a big game. Um, so maybe he's finally kind of turned the corner after yeah, he's the, really... uh, the surgery and everything. So, um, no, I'm excited. But, you know, I think back in the top 25, positive. But we got to see, you know, the real test comes down. You got back-to-back ranked teams, Iowa at 20 and Maryland at 7. Um, so I think, you know, by the end of the week, we'll have a better idea of where they're at. I'm not fully confident yet, but feeling a little better. Yeah, I wouldn't, um, even at home, I wouldn't take a loss against Maryland as something that would be too damaging. Right. But but if they lose by 30, yeah. that's a little bit. Yeah. yeah, so to go to, I mean, two difficult games, but also two games that, you know, a lot of the computer metrics 
really like Ohio State. And mm-hmm. even in the bracketology, you know, with as up and down as they've been, you know, going into the weekend, they were still an eight seed. And with a big win against Purdue, you know, their ceiling could be pretty high. I've heard, I've seen projections as high as three, which I think is a little bit crazy, but yeah. they could certainly be in the, you know, the four or five range. They got the ceiling. I think they, I mean, I still think they have the ability to get to the final four, you know. Um, I still think it's there, but they're just so inconsistent right yeah, now. Yeah, they're, they're one of those teams that you could see, you know, going to the final four or First if they're, yeah, yeah, especially, you know, if they're like a six or a seven seed playing in a seven ten matchup. The you worst, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I they definitely uh, – we've talked about how they're a very streaky team shooting-wise, and they've definitely been hot shooting uh, this week. Turnovers are still, like, a thing to be concerned about, I, so – I don't even know what to say on that anymore. We've harped on that, like, every week. Well, I guess uh, they, they are what they are Just Just point. wait till, t- till we get to the Bearcats, my friend, if we, want, oh, we can yes. talk turnovers. My oh, goodness. Oh, yikes. Well, speaking of turnovers, Josh, how about those Bearcats? Well, yeah, shall we? <laughs> uh, yeah, the Bearcats uh, – a lot of overtime games, Greg, as you mentioned. Yeah, earlier. so they've they've had three consecutive overtime <laughs> games. The second time this year that they've had it, and then uh, six total overtimes this year, which I believe is tied for the most in a season by UC, going back to the seventy five seventy six team. So, jeez, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's how's your heart, big guy. It's uh, it's it's been a it was a rough week. Well, card- your neighbors call- still hate you, Greg. They call them the cardiac Don't worry cats about that. for a reason. But yeah, I mean, you know, uh, on Thursday playing Memphis, kind of in a you know the at home environment, a good win to have. Not exactly a great loss to put on the resume. They were kind of back and forth early. Let it get away from them a little bit. You know, going in, you know, midway through the second half, got down by eight, you know, ten points with just over six minutes to go. Then we're able to storm back, make some points. Keith Williams was very big, you know, coming up clutch. Jaron Cumberland making his free throws, able to force overtime, able to just get it done, you know, against a team with a lot of talent, although they haven't shown it quite as much with some of their best players being out, but certainly a talented team in Memphis that they were able to overcome. Sunday was a whole different story. Sunday was just them being the better team for most of the time, forgetting how to play basketball, forgetting how to take care of the ball, forgetting how to shoot free throws. Oh, forgetting and, how to shoot free throws. My goodness. First half and one almost, for nine. And begging to give that game away, especially with Jaron Cumberland fouling out. If it wasn't for a couple of clutch shots at the end of the game and in overtime, especially that fadeaway three by Keith Williams, this could have been a crushing blow to Cincinnati's tournament hopes. Yeah, Keith Keith Williams was uh, stepped up huge in this game, but yeah, I how the Bearcats the Bearcats are proving they can win. I mean, you got to look at their uh, overtime and close games record. They're five and three in games decided by five points or less. They're four and two in overtime games this year. You know, that's a tournament team right there. That's though. a tournament team with experience, and, and you know, if you build off, if you continue to build off this momentum and you learn how to not go five for 16 from the line or have 22 turnovers, then you yeah. put something special together, maybe. Yeah. And I think they're one of those teams that, you know, they've kind of discussed going back to, you know, obviously comparing it to the Cronin years. They lost one of these games against, you know, East, uh, East Carolina a couple of years ago where they just didn't have it. You know, a lot of times they'll have to go there Sunday at noon. They, they think did they last just, year walk in yeah they think they can just walk in and win and they've shown the ability to at least come back and you know get it done and really you know 
like you said, they've shown they've been a tournament team outside of being able to hit their free throws, which is something that can kill you in tournament time. But they've been able to get scoring from all over the place. Obviously, Jaron's been one of the best players. Uh, you know, Scott this week had 25 and 19 and then 14 and 12. He was the conference player of the week. Uh, Keith Williams has stepped up a lot. Zach Harvey, the freshman, made a big three, which I thought was going to be a game-winning three until yeah. East Carolina responded with their own three to force overtime. But just being able to get scoring from a lot of other places, uh, you know, having Javen Cumberland be sick and not be really able to be effective, have Jaron Cumberland go out, you know, because of, uh, you know, him fouling out and just having the guys be able to step up and, Figure it out has been huge for the team. Yeah. Uh, Keith Williams stepped up huge. Uh, Mike Adams Mike, Woods uh, yeah, was yeah, that's, huge. Yeah. I know. Uh, Both the games had some really great shots. Penny Hardaway even brought him up yeah. as like, well, he played well. And, you know, with a guy that recruits that well and, you know, Mike Adams Woods is probably fourth or fifth, maybe even lower on the list of what you're looking at on the scouting report. When you have a freshman that puts up 14 points in a big game like that, that's huge. Oh, yeah. There's one other guy. Uh, that had a huge week. He'll be my shout out at the end of the show. Trayvon Scott was an oh, you gave it away. Mon- I'll I'll run his stats later, but I mean, an absolute monster for the Bearcats this week. Thank goodness. I'll have to go to my backup shout out. <laughs> All righty. Well, to the other team and probably the most complete college basketball team in the state of Ohio, the Dayton Flyers, 2-0 and this week, once again, with a, just a crushing win over Rhode Island, the number two team in the A-10. Uh, got out to, I believe, a 15 to nothing lead before Rhode Island even scored. That game was never in doubt. A little bit of a closer game against UMass, but still always in control. Obi Toppin looks like a bona fide All-American, possibly the player of the year, and a guy who can carry through on his promises. He said he was going to get a big dunk over his brother, uh, Jacob, who plays for Rhode Island. Did that. Got the highlight dunk over his brother. So the Flyers have been just cruising so far. And, you know, certainly still have a shot to be a number one seed in the tournament as they moved up to the top five of the eight people. Yeah, I mean, like we said, keep doing what you're doing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I mean, it's kind of uh, I think we've seen a bit of leveling out. In the top five or so. Yeah, it's, um, it's starting to starting to level out a little bit. To solid up a little bit, yeah. firm up. You see, I mean, I think, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I don't think any of the top fives have really Dude. lost. You know, you yeah. look at Baylor only has the one loss. Kansas has been consistent. Uh, San Diego State's still undefeated. You got what Dayton, who's on a 14-game winning streak. So what did, Who did Dayton, or not Dayton, uh, who did San Diego, San Diego State play in non-conference? Did they play anybody? Uh, I know San Diego State, at least going into last week, had as many uh, quad one wins, which mm. is wins at home versus top 25 team, yeah. wins in a neutral zone against uh, top 50 teams, and wins on the road against top 75 teams. So they've, I mean, they've had some wins, and they've certainly shown, you know, going into the early, um, going into the early projection of the bracket, they were a number two seed, but they've certainly showed, you know. Whoever they play, they can beat. They're a very complete team. I was just curious um, on that, just because I feel like they're kind of like in the same boat as like Dayton right now, where you just got to win out. Real, I mean, they just have to win out because they're three or four. 
Uh, right now, um, San Diego State's four. Uh, four. Just to kind of gloss over some of their top wins, they beat Creighton, who's one of the top teams in the Big East, by 31 in Las Vegas. They beat Iowa, who's a pretty tough team yeah. in the Big Ten, by double digits. Um, These boys can Utah ball. by almost 30 points. I mean, you know, like I said, you don't have quite the same level of competition in the Mountain West, but, you know, Utah State was supposed to be a very good team this year. They've, they've taken care of them, obviously, and pretty much ruled most of the teams in their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, any street that long oh, in yeah. college basketball this year I wasn't year trying to downplay. I was just more curious, just obviously the being here in the Midwest, we don't get a lot of that Pac-12 Mountain West kind of. You know, we kind of yeah. Unless you're staying bit. up till one in the morning to watch like the, you, the Mountain West. Whoa, whoa! Not unless I have hey. any hey. coin on the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mac, looking to we get talk, interesting you here. Want to talk action? We just, can talk a little bit of Mac. Just I mean, touch on the action here. Yeah, I mean, it's been a interesting week in the Mac. You know, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, some of the teams like Bowling Green and Akron were starting to pull away. Uh, two weeks ago was a Kind of a tough week for a lot of those teams, dropping some games, kind of regressing to the mean. But the big game was Thursday or Tuesday as um, Akron beat Bowling Green 74-59. Like we said, uh, Lauren Jackson had 28 points. So the Zips getting their name back into the conversation, just a half game back of Bowling Green for the best record in the MAC East and the, the best record in the MAC in general. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's going to come down to Bowling Green and Akron. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, they uh, Their next game is uh, the 25th at the end of the month. Um, so it was uh, oh, that's a... That's a long layoff. Yeah, and I mean, that was Akron, you know, taking care of home court, even if it was, you know, a very sound win by 25 points, so... Yeah, I mean, I think Bowling Green kind of, like, fell off shooting-wise, especially... Um, I mean that that was their lowest lowest scoring game in uh, over a, over a month. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in two weeks. I don't think anyone's really gonna. I mean that's the catch conference. Up to them. Everybody's talking about Lenardi, uh, Billis. Everybody's watching that. That's that's the. Look, they're race looking to at watch. it. They're saying, "Hey, there are a few teams to watch. <laughs> there's Bowling Green. There's Akron. There's Wright State." Well, right states all the horizon. Yeah, it's the Bro Horizon League. We're Not talking about action. We're talking about all those teams. We're talking uh, about we're, we're Ohio bracket busters. So we're talking some Bro all action. I mean, with all the Ohio about. teams we're getting in, we're very likely like Cleveland's host, uh, hosting site, aren't they? And then you have yes, they yeah, are. And then are. you uh, obviously have the Dayton playing games. So yeah. like, we're bound to have one of these Ohio teams at least play here in Ohio. I think so. We'll see. We'll see. What are yeah, we about I don't, two I months mean, out? You the think big, we can get some press passes? Maybe. maybe. <laughs> I think the big problem is getting you know some of these teams high enough ranked, but I would really guess that if you're a Dayton Flyers fan, I would probably book those tickets to the Cleveland Regional. Or oh, you know, Cleveland, you have some insight Cleveland from your first sources? Round. No, but they're the one team that's very close that um, you know would actually want that want that site i mean if they're top five well, then yeah. they'll get the fifth pick i don't think baylor's gonna want to come to cleveland i don't think kansas san diego state gonzaga i know everyone's begging kansas to go will go anywhere it's just not kansas so that's true <laughs> you're you're getting a step up there no yeah, i would what. assume they'd want to go somewhere 
relatively close to K. I believe Omaha's a site, but ugh, I would rather go to Cleveland than Omaha. I don't know. Get some steaks, I, I guess. Oh, what? What? You want to go to? Have you been to Omaha? I haven't. It's not. I mean, I'd love to go to Omaha. Isn't that where they have the College World I would World love Series? to see the College yeah. World Series. Sure, I would go do that, but I don't want to go hang out in Omaha in fucking March. Are you done trashing Omaha yet? <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Now that Zach's done just trying to eviscerate Omaha and any of our Nebraskan listeners, we love you, Omaha. As long as someone from Omaha listens to this podcast. Alrighty, we're into the Ohio segments portion of our show. First segment that we have. As we mentioned earlier, John Beeline, the possibility of leaving the Cavs just six months into a five-year contract. So I'll ask you guys. We'll ask any of our great listeners. You know, respond 30 Rack Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. What's the quickest you've ever pulled out of some commitment that you've made? Whether it's something that you committed to a friend or maybe a major, a class that you dropped right away, a sport that you wanted to make, and then... Oh, quick as I've dropped out of anything, classes numerous times. I don't know how many times I signed up for a class and then like an hour later, it was like, I shouldn't have done that. Um, I had three majors while I was in college, so I don't know what that says about me, but... I signed up for rugby once. How long did that last? Wow, how'd that go? I would love to. See, I would love to see you running around. I well, I put my field. name down on a phone list, and oh, then okay. the first like free rugby thing came out where they were playing touch rugby, and I was like, "Oh, touch yeah, rugby!" Yeah, no. Jeez. Oh, why didn't you want to do touch rugby? Because I didn't want to play rugby. What? It's a rough game. It was man. a long drive. Where Just was a long it? Long drive. It was like all the way down in Evendale. I just didn't. Oh my it. It was god! Cold. It's not that. Far. I was tired. All right, but what about uh, you, Josh? Uh, yeah, mine. Mine's a class. Uh, I, one time I signed up for this class just because, like, I saw the name of it and I was like, yeah. "Oh, that's cool. I'm into that." It was like an electronic music composition class. That was sounds like a, dope. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, all right, of that course. sounds cool." Yeah, sounds like me. It was like a Tuesday, Thursday, 2 p.m. I was like, "That's a nice afternoon. Sure, yeah. why not?" Um. I get in, and it's like some real hardcore, like math stuff. Them, Wait, math? Like, them like writing algorithms that like the notes play like. Oh, that sounds awful. Yeah. So I come to realize that this is a six thousand level graduate course. Um, oh my god! And I had just like completely missed that just because. Gotta I, read the number. Yeah, yeah oh, I didn't read the number. I read the name and the description. I was like, yeah, that sounds <laughs> awesome. Uh, oh, I have a good and one. I wish I wish I would have remembered like more to describe this class more to you, but like the pretty much forty five minutes I was in there, I just like sat there mouth agape, like, oh no, this is a <laughs> oh my god, I can't be do a- this. You yeah. did fun electronic music. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm, I was just like, I thought we were just gonna you know make some music, not do math. I took a job and never showed up. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, right out of college, I. Uh, interviewed for what I was explained to me was like a public relations type job not in the least bit it was definitely was it a, a Ponzi yeah, yeah it was definitely yeah. a pyramid scheme where you sold like a dish 
at like a Menards or something. Like, oh yeah, what are those where you sell the yeah where you yeah, sell like the stuff but, through the company? Right. So I went through all that. They even made me like accost customers there, like wow, to see if I would had the balls basically to do this. And then the guy's like, yeah, we'll offer you a job, and then eventually you'll move up and you'll open your own office or you know pyramid scheme bullshit. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll be here tomorrow or whatever. And I just remember I got in my car driving home and. My mom called me. I was like, yeah, I'm not taking that job. I told him I was, but I'm not going to take that job. Yeah, so almost, I just never I, showed up. I, I, I was in one of those uh, pyramid scheme interviews once. And the whole time I was in the interview, and, you know, of course, they offer you the job and everything. And I I felt like I was in, like, a whitest kid you know skit or something. Right, it's so Like, weird. it was just, like, so bizarre. It I is. I was like, how do you even get this office space? Yeah, because like, I was in, like, a strip mall, but on their picture, like, when the – for like on their website, it was sure like this big office building. So I'm driving through like this warehouse district around Cincinnati somewhere, and then I see the office building. So I'm driving up, but my maps keeps telling me take a left. I'm like, well, it's right there. And to the left is a strip mall with the name of this company over it. And I was like, you sons of bitches! <laughs> like I, I knew I, right there. So I get you. Yeah, they had me. Greg, Greg looks at us with disappointment. I know, and Mr. Engineer over here. I'm sorry, your your life. Is amazing. I know. Can't, um, we can't all have buckets of common sense, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I took one major. I don't think I even dropped the class ever. Oh my god! Dropped a few classes. It mess up when yeah. your daddy's provost or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> the doctor. <laughs> no, oh. my problem was I I took a few stupid classes and I was dumb enough to to stick with it. I took a abstract mathematics course. Nope. That sounds horrible. Not even going to do So what happened was... What I, is abstract math, well, well, we'll get to that. So I was taking a graduate-level class because we had to take some tech electives. And I thought I was failing my ass out of this class. But what ended up happening is they said, hey, we're not going to grade you on the same level as the graduate students. So I ended up getting you know, a throwaway. What? That's just what the, I was told. So they gave me like a reasonable I took grade. Graduate level courses. See, this is and what I we're got graded about. as sweet, if I'm a graduate. Yeah. The deal for some college no, folks no, to come no. to the NBA. Yeah. Think it's going to be the same. No, no, no. So then I'm like, while I'm scheduling classes, I'm like, look, I've probably failed this class. I want to take the easiest class as possible. So I was like, well, this math level class, it's like a two or three thousand level class. It'll be easy. Let me tell you, it was the absolute worst. If you wrote the in the wrong space in your sentence, you were getting screwed. I had to explain to someone why root two was irrational. Do you know why root two is irrational? I don't even know what root two is. Is that like the, square the county root of road? Two. Oh, okay. It seems irrational. You seem irrational right now. But why is it? But why this. is it? Rational. I, I don't. I don't know why. I don't know what's going yeah, on right I'm, now. I'm, you, you instantly talked yeah. about math, and yeah, neither I'm, me and him were like fucking liberal arts majors. We didn't. We didn't take yeah, math we, classes. Arts majors, man. Like you had you to assume that the beer in my hand here was you're gonna rational. Talk to me about math, <laughs> right? Like the only math I care about is. I think this is an eight eight point five percent. He or can't six. even read numbers, Ray. He can't so even thick. read it's numbers. Such a thick font. <laughs> I can't read it. Yes, I know. If you've listened to this, you, you know that he doesn't exactly even know the numbers on the volume controls. Ouch. Ouch. Damn, talent bringing it. I know. Uh-oh. I can mute him, though. We'll just Ooh. do you and me, buddy. No yeah. Whoa. Like no the, our greatest show ever I'm when Greg was out of town. Yeah, the show where you, you guys had no idea how to transition into things. Like I'm going to right now into our oh, second man, segment. I was going to do it. I had such a good segue. Fine. All right. Cheesecake time. Well, you so, ruined the segue. Yeah, we're going to talk about our favorite 
Cheesecake Factory items for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Not at all. Not at all. Josh, do you have anything on the on the Cheesecake Factory menu that you love? Uh, yeah, there there are a couple things. Uh, oh man, I lost my spot. Uh, let me let me tell you about the pasta carbonara. Uh, I was gonna well, the, the spaghetti with the smoked bacon. Look, you gotta have some meat in your pasta. You gotta have the smoked bacon. And you gotta have a nice garlic parmesan cream Greg, sauce. Great. Love it. It's heavy, it's a little heavy, maybe a little heavier than you'd see in season, but very, very good. <laughs> well, I'm tired, I'm tired. If you want some meat with your pasta, but you don't want it to be too heavy, a nice, like, you know, mild dinner to go to is the crusted chicken romano, Greg and Zach. Have you ever had the crusted chicken no, romano? No, but me and Toy were there and she got that, and I ate some leftovers. That was delicious. It's very good. Uh, I always Fantastic. get like the Cajun jambalaya. Pasta. One question: Do you think the food, the pictures of the food, looks like the actual food when it shows up at your table? I mean, kind of. Would you still eat it if it did it? I mean, yes. I'm not gonna leave. First off, the food—they give you so much food. I get terrified when they look at the calories there because I am just—I'm just like. 1800 calories. I don't even know like calorie counts. I, mean, like, I don't I even know see, what you're supposed to eat. I just see big numbers and it scares me. I get terrified I when they hand me the menu. It's like 10 pages. And then they come back like 30 seconds yeah. later, like, you ready to like, order? And like, no, dick. Like, no, I'm I just still barely on the first opened. chapter. Like, I'm just getting done with the appetite. I don't even know what skinny licious means, more or less, what's on this menu. Skinny licious. They have good steak there. <laughs> That's always a go-to. The cheesecake. Uh, yeah, the the white chocolate raspberry truffle cheesecake. Ooh. You know, that's something that you're not that. You I'll might eat any. On, you might only find out back. I don't know. Oh, really? So out back. Well, I hear I hear that the back of most cheesecakes factories is like the like a the porch to like a brio or some other some other restaurant that's exactly like Cheesecake Factory, but with a smaller menu. Wait, what? Really? You think that? Yeah. You know what else happens behind? Have you ever seen a standalone cheesecake factory that isn't in? No, it's always in a mall. It's always in in a mall. Yeah. And it's always attached to something. The one in Kenwood goes into the mall. The one in Liberty goes into the mall. Goes into a Brio. The one in Westlake is right in front of an empty parking lot. Whoa, and that takes us to why we're talking about the Cheesecake Factory. We fought, we were beating around the bush too many bit, times. So there was an... This is weird. There was an alleged story, so there was a... I mean, it's a story. Well, there, there was a story that uh, Baker Mayfield's alleged mitri- mistress does a radio interview and claims they hooked up behind a Cheesecake Factory a month after he got married. So this all started when, um, I guess, Northeast Ohio Baker Mayfield lover Casey Dingus was blocked by Baker Mayfield on Twitter and proceeded to go on a rant and then proceeded to go on to a local radio show to talk about the cheesecake experience. She said, quote, I drove all the way to Westlake. It was behind a cheesecake factory at some development parking lot. I got in the front and he said, are we going to do this or not? After I left, he texted me, you're actually a really cool person, but you can't say anything. Like it'll ruin my career. Where are these texts at? What a weird, what a weird Yelp review. (laughs) (laughs) Like what? Who leaves that online? (laughs) They they tried their best. (laughs) All right. Um, So I, I, I know we were probably going to talk about the, the whole Baker Mayfield side of this, 
But imagine the kind of clientele that this Westlake Cheesecake Factory has been getting for the oh, last Oh, man. Week. Everybody on Twitter, has been, especially in the Cleveland area, has been saying, them. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Man, I want to go to the I wanna, I wanna go to the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, I'm craving Cheesecake Factory right now. I mean, now. it's been in my head all week. And I was just there a couple weeks ago. I'm like, oh, Cheesecake Factory. I haven't factory. been in forever. And really? yeah, I've, I've oh. been dying for it. All right. We sounds like we're going to meeting at Cheesecake Factory. Sounds like we're going point. to Cheesecake Factory. All right, Cheesecake Factory it is. Um. I think it's weird, and I don't believe her. I was going like to say, first, I don't really think it's her. true. No, no. I And I'm very cynical of people in general. I don't, You know me. I don't like people, really, in general. So I um, I don't know. I question everybody's motives, much less when you go on a radio show to discuss well, and it's your just private— like, When you look at her social media presence, it's just like, is this just some, like— She doesn't look in, like the picture. Influencer, wannabe she person doesn't look like her trying picture, to get though. clout from— which, first off, if you're trying to do this for the clout, let me tell you, the Cleveland Browns are not where you want to start. <laughs> no. Sorry. Yeah, or sorry, Baker Mayfield. Or Baker Mayfield. Probably not, but I guess when you're in Cleveland and your last name's Dingus, like, you take what you can get. But the other thing I is— I was trying not to make a comment about the Dingus. You have to. But the other thing about it is all of the first off all the quote unquote proof that she had has been deleted off her twitter and all of it was like pictures of her talking to baker mayfield via facetime and it's like yes an idiot with photoshop could figure out those pictures well, and thank didn't you and she claim it was like a week after his wedding it's like, like a month after he got married a month after he That's got a married a little better month it, sure but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh but it's like yeah, really? give it some time. Do you really think Baker Mayfield is that low of a person? A quarterback, sure, but a person—I don't really think he's that low. I of a don't. Person. I hope Come not. On. I mean, I and feel- the other thing was, I think a month after is like during the football season. I know he hasn't really done too much on the field, at least in the last year, to give you the fact that he was in the facility for a ton of hours, but. I just can't imagine, dude. I watched the press. Uh, the st- commercials. The starting quarterback. Of a professional football team trolling around empty parking lots behind various uh, eateries and restaurants. Yeah, I mean, searching leave. for some uh, Belgian curtsies and whatnot. Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah, so he got married in July of 2019. So that would have been August. So that would have been right during the middle of like training camp. So he was in Berea. Yes, but he was doing training <laughs> camp things. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say that he wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, Berea Westlake, that's so far. He's not, he's, he's not Sam Darnold. Maybe for him. Like, it's not like we're like gallivanting all through New York City picking hey, up girls after. A, I don't blame Sam Darnold. Go uh, get it, guy. Neither do I. Neither but do I. if you're in New York, you might as well enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I don't believe it. And then she like had her, I guarantee that was her friend who called in. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. the, the backup. Yeah, uh, they also had a, a second woman that, that called into the radio show saying that. Her and Baker hooked up in a similar place where she got into the back of, I believe it was his Range Rover. Was that the spaghetti factory that they hooked up in? Oh, it was the old spaghetti factory. The old spaghetti very different. Factory, very, yeah, different. very different establishment. I heard next week they're meeting behind the Carabas, so yeah, kind I, of I, just, I can't imagine you were listening to this. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine you were listening to this uh, radio show and this woman calls in and you know, you're 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 driving up 77 or whatever. And you're just like, oh yeah, I also hooked up with Baker Mayfield. I'm gonna phone into this show and corroborate That's this That's what I mean. It's story. easy to get you know, somebody like, else. That's what friends are for. They're to lie for you in various situations. Look, That's if what you they need do. me to call into a radio station to say I also hooked up with Baker Mayfield as well as you did, 
at least buy me dinner first. But <laughs> I mean, I'm I will sure say I, I feel terrible for his wife either way. And I still have an inkling of a feeling that somehow this is all going to turn out to be true and this is just going to be awful. I really don't but think I it's true. Well, I don't. I don't. Why would you go to Cheesecake Factory and not go in? Yeah, not get the cheesecake. This seems like... Yeah. I mean, have you seen Baker I mean, Mayfield? Have your, Baker Mayfield's like every exactly. mid-20s That's guy from Cleveland. Round face, a slight beard gut, pale and pasty with a shitty beard and curly hair. Because like, he doesn't have his priorities in order. If you're going to Cheesecake Factory, <laughs> the number one priority is to get some good pasta or chicken and then get some bomb cheesecake afterwards. And then worry about whatever you know you want to do in the back. I will whatever. say the interesting... Um, the inter- gave him a hand, all right? The interesting fallout from this is, one, seeing the word Baker Mayfield and then cheesecake trending is just not something you want to see on like whatever it is, your Tuesday afternoon as a Browns fan. The other one is, with Friday being Valentine's Day, there was a little post to uh, to Baker's wife from him. Oh, I saw that. And the that. comment yeah. section under it, man, if you ever wanted to get hungry for some cheesecake, that is the place for you. Really, it really, and I didn't. I didn't get the whole. Factory. I didn't get the whole post to his wife deal. I mean, you live with her, right? Send her a card. Say something to her face. Like, why well, did you give have to her post- a card? You don't need to send her. A well, card. Yeah, give her a card. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't really get why he posted that. And I was like, you know, because obviously trolls are just gonna jump all over that. Like, what is wrong with people? Well, we're talking about we're talking about a story in which a man allegedly. <laughs> receives things at the uh, back of a cheesecake factory in Cleveland. So I mean, I don't an Mongolian Slurpee, just say what you wanted yeah, to say. I, I don't know what kind of class you're looking for in this story, but it's not there. It's so. in Cleveland, too, which is just even yeah. better. The only thing West Class would be like 8-mile Detroit, then. Whoa. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's it's true. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah like, what do you mean, exactly. whoa? Yeah, whoa. Newport, Kentucky. Oh, oh you. Yeah. But that probably been his sister, and she definitely could ID him. <laughs> All righty. Well, after this, Josh, can you save us from this? Can we please have another beer? Yeah, we can have another beer. All righty. You know, with a seamless transition, we are back to 30 Rack of Sports, episode 17. It's February 17th. I'm here with the man who likes to look up Different ways to say different things, <laughs> like Mongolian Slurpees. Zach, how's it going? Uh, it's going great, Greg. Um, yeah, just back from our commercial break. Want to thank our uh, sponsors, Cheesecake Factory, for sponsoring the show. We're done with this. We're done. We're done with this. Not, not I, I, right. with this. I just want to say it's the Browns' fault. We can't ever have a decent week because of the Browns or someone on the in Browns. In general, it's Cleveland. Yeah, we love you, Cleveland. I do. Well, you know, Cleveland, just the place. That's slightly east of Westlake. It's just south of Lake Erie, actually. A little slightly northeast of Columbus, a few paces. A few. Alrighty, well, we're here. We're drinking beer. We're having a time. I'm not exactly going to say good time right now, but we're having a time. And we're drinking some Elvis juice from Brewdog. Brought by Zach. Zach, fantastic choice. I know. Every week, man, we bring it. It's great beer. Uh, we were talking, we need to get a list together because there's over like 300 breweries in Ohio and that's a lot. 
my goal for the next one is to bring like the grossest beer I can find. Now, I, now, now I'm house. in for it. Now I'm chasing something. All right, well, I'll, I'll work on that. We'll see. I'm Alrighty, ready. So I don't have any beer nudes for us this week. Um, nothing. The only, nothing, the only nothing. beer, the only beer. Ohio news. beer is good. Josh has one job. He sits here and he's just supposed to bring beer news. So have one job. <laughs> the one beer That's news outrageous. that I will bring is the weekend of the um, 28th, 29th, and first Bach of Fest. March is Bachfest. Right. The Thirty Rack Crew. We'll be there on, on Friday, Friday the 28th. Yeah, we'll be killing it. We'll be slinging some box. Come say hi. We don't have like a booth or anything, so don't go like walk around looking. But I mean, you can we'll walk be stumbling around, around. We'll be the guys yeah. drinking beer. We'll be the guys drinking beer, screaming sports takes. Will not be that hard to find. Hot takes. I'll probably have some sort of whiteboard that I carry around with hot takes on them just to get people we riled up. We can strap up. it on front and back. Get yeah. two whiteboards. We could get like some big LED signs or something. Ooh. That would be a heck of a headline. We need to step up our marketing game. We need to figure, we'll figure something out. We'll figure yeah, it. have you ordered we'll the t-shirt something. yet? Yeah. Ooh. We got some merch coming in. Merch, 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 merch. Follow merch. us on social media at 30 Rack Podcast, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and soon, soon to, to be, be Instagram. Instagram. We still need to get on that. MySpace. Uh, Friendster, Friendster, Tumblr, um, uh, Dust. I think Bumble. that's the Mark Cuban um, thing. Oh, Dust. What is Dust? Dust. Friendster. What the hell is Friendster? Friendster it's like was Napster. No, Friendster was like the precursor to MySpace. If you're, you're not old enough to remember, uh, I'm the <laughs> oldest one. All right, whatever. You're right. I'm not. The only reason why I know is because I saw a video about it. That's about it. I, What's I don't Dust even... though. We Dust should... is this weird Mark Cuban app that you can use to talk. To people that doesn't save like your messages so for like corporate talking when you don't want people to read weird your Ma- weird mark cuban espionage espionage is what that sounds like all right that doesn't yeah, make it's, me it, want that it's app. the weird basically it's a weird mark cuban app that you use if you don't want to be subjected to be in one of these weird headlines as we bring up our wild headlines of the week it's our, our new, new segment, segment new segment new new segment of the week so we're going to get into a little bit of world news, but we're not going to get into the serious world news. We're not going to get into the politics, any of the shenanigans, war, all this stuff. No, we're going to find the wackiest headlines of the week and also make up one ourselves. And we're going to play a little game of uh, which headline is real or not. I don't even guess that headline. Guess that headline. So uh, who are we going to start with here? I'm Zach, start let's start with, with you. All right. So yeah, one real headline, one I just made up. <clears throat> All right. So first headline, pack of wild dogs has taken over a small village in Russia. Subline, people in Rajijafin refuse to leave their homes for fear of the dogs who have run around and eaten all the food. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds that's one. real. Uh, next one, fast food worker f- fired after being filmed t- <laughs> taking a bath in a restaurant sink. An employee at Wendy's in Greenville, South Carolina, took a picture of himself naked in a sink in the restaurant. It what? Which you think is real? It's got to be the sink. It is the sink. You gotta look look up, look that up, and look at the. There's a photo. If anybody's listening, look this up. There's a photo of the kid in the sink in the restaurant. 
Uh, is it like is it like a bathroom sink or is it like a kitchen? Like, <laughs> it's a kitchen. Sink. We'll have to post one some of, of these. those big uh, silver sinks. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Some of See, these I was stuck wondering how uh, how we fit into this sink. Oh, you look it up. It I'm gonna look it up. The, the fit. The yeah. We'll have to post a picture of this. This is uh, this is just a uh, teenage boy stupidity gold. Alrighty, so that is the first one. On to I guess I'll go next. Uh, so my first one is. Australian man gives CPR to gecko found drowning in beer. Wait, what? Australian man gives CPR to gecko found drowning in beer. Okay. The second one is Florida man tries to bring alligator dressed as, quote, his baby boy into Clearwater Johnny Rockets. <laughs> uh, Johnny Rockets. Josh? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Johnny. I, th I think Johnny Rockets on this one. False. The tr the true one is Australian man gives CPR to gecko found drowning in beer. Really? Drowning in beer? Yeah, I, I thought of Johnny Rockets, and that was hook, line, and sinker. So <laughs> that's awesome. We're seeing the picture of the... What in the world? <laughs> what? <laughs> right? Um, you must not be a lot going on in Australia. I mean, well, I mean, there was the fires, but... That that was a headline from a local newspaper? Yeah, this Aussie hero saved a gecko <laughs> that drowned in his beard. <laughs> in the, his uh, the customer known as Brett, known to his friends as Slab, <laughs> said he initially thought his, his staff um, at the Amble Inn in New South Wales were playing a prank on him when he spotted a gecko in his mug of beer. He sprung into action when his workers assured him they had nothing to do with the lizard and scooped it out of the beverage. Yeah, so basically his friend, yeah, the big gecko wasn't moving, so Brett started performing chest compressions. Wait, wait, you mean slab? Yes, slab, <laughs> a.k.a. slab. Started performing chest compressions on the lizard while his friend filmed a video of the rescue attempt. The video shows Brett doing compressions and blowing air into the gecko's mouth before it starts to move again. It is unclear whether the gecko had merely been playing dead as a defense mechanism or whether it was truly... Wow, New South Wales really uh, got things going on. I mean, that's, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. how would you oh, like to oh, be a journalism oh. student and then you have to like go write stories about some drunk guy giving mouth to mouth to I mean, a it's, lizard? It's pretty cool. Is it though? A lizard, man. That's such a cool story to tell people. Like, hey, man, I saved this lizard's saved life. Saved the lizard's life. That lizard is indebted to that man now. I drink lizard beer. I think we all have way different definitions of what's cool. Have you, yeah, the, have you ever met the Lizard King? Have the, you? <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. We're Jeez. going out the rails here. All right, Josh. All right, Josh. You have some headlines for What do you got, us? Lizard King? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I've got some headlines for us. Um, well, we really hope so. All right. I've got a uh, seven-year-old girl writes her dad a scathing Yelp review for her packed lunch at school. Awesome. Or a police dog uh, saves his uh, his handler, his officer, from a uh, pack of coyotes in northern Ohio. I'm going to go ungrateful daughter. Okay. I'm going to go coyotes. Ooh. It's the girl. Oh. Ooh, yeah. I thought you being very unsure. I thought it was a little defense mechanism uh, trying yeah. to throw us off. Uh, so yeah, this, uh, this dad, uh, packed, uh, his girl's, uh, lunch every day. Um, 
As some dads been, do. Yeah. As some dads do. Good Not dads. my dad. Didn't care. Uh, and he's been switching it up lately, uh, trying to pack a little healthier in the new year and everything. Gross. And so she wrote him back a note that says uh, she will not eat her sandwich because she hates hummus. And I am with her. Ooh. I don't like hummus. Hummus is weird. What's and, wrong with hummus? Oh, it's so weird, dude. It's like, why? Oh, the te- it's a texture. It's like pasty. Thing. You don't yeah. like pasty things. No, I don't like pasty. It is things. kind of. It, it is kind of weird. It took me a little bit to get used to. I would say. say t- t- look at I me. I like certain look kinds. At, of look hummus. me in the eyes and say yes. I like pasty things. You can't do it, can you? Uh, you got. I think. like pasty things. Zach okay, was probably. Good. I'm glad Zach we had looks like moment. the kid that ate paste when he was a small child. I did so. not do any such thing, dude. Have you ever had paste? You don't know. You haven't lived. Okay, you haven't lived. I think that you've had lots of paste, I take it. No, I have not. That would explain a whole lot. <laughs> that would explain lot. a lot. All right, we need to get to real news. The show real is getting news. this show is getting off the rails. Say some maybe national news? National news. Uh, we still have to debate baseball. All righty, well, getting into our national headlines, as the number one XFL podcast in the state of Ohio, we're, of course, yeah, yeah. starting off with the XFL. Uh Zach's DC Defenders just thrashed Josh's New York Guardians 27 to nothing to go to 2 and 0 in took the league. Took Josh behind the woodshed. My Seattle Dragons took down the Tampa Bay Vipers, uh, foiling a last-second touchdown with an offensive pass interference. The Dallas Renegades took down the LA Wildcats 25-18, but LA did have the league's first three-point conversion, and then in the last Hello. game. Houston Roughnecks beat the St. Louis Battlehawks 28-24. The big thing for these games, as they've been pushing betting a lot, three of four teams this, or three of four games this week and six of eight total games have gone under in the first two weeks. Teams have also scored in double, in single digits four times so far this year, so not a whole lot of scoring in the XFL, trying to bump it up, but the last game, 28-24, so we're getting there, but I would still lean unders. Going next to the All-Star game, Team LeBron beating Team Giannis 157-155 in a actually pretty good game, especially in the fourth quarter when uh, the scoring changed to first to 24 points from the leading team score one. So it got very testy down the end, uh, you know, had challenges, foul calls, some good defense, some charges being taken. But in the end, Team LeBron won. Kawhi Leonard, MVP with 30 points, 8 for 14 from the three-point line. He joins Michael Jordan as the uh, only two players ever to get a All-Star MVP, a Finals MVP, and an All-Defensive uh, Player of the Year award. Uh, the night before was the skills competition, or the skills night, with Bam Adebayo from the Miami Heat winning the skills competition, Buddy Heald from Sacramento winning the three-point competition, and Derek Jones Jr. from the Miami Heat winning a controversial dunk contest. Um also Saturday night, miserable traffic took away from a game at Falcon Stadium in Colorado Springs for the Avalanche-Kings game. The Kings beat the Avalanche 3 to nothing, but most fans did not see that or did not see most of that game as a 45-minute trip from Denver to Colorado Springs turned into a four-plus-hour trip with many fans stating they were not able to get into the game till the second intermission because of standstill traffic. Fans are now asking for refunds refunds because of missing most of this game. Then also, teams have reported to spring training pitchers and catchers with most eyeballs on the Astros as they start off their apology tour on some bumpy roads with 
their owner saying some conflicting things, some tattoo alibis, and Correa and Bellinger fighting. Uh, the big news in the betting world, uh, hit by pitch prop has come out for the Houston Astros as the over-under is 83.5 for the number of Astros to get hit by pitch this year. And that's the national news. Woo. Everybody's going to jump right in, I guess, to talk about the the ba- baseball, right? Well, we can start talking about the Astros. we got a little bit more baseball talking about the playoffs and some of the changes coming up in segments. But I think starting off probably with the Astros, just a terrible week for them. Um, there, yeah. was the, there was the owner, Jim Crane, saying, I don't think this kind of cheating directly led to uh, a World Series win and then saying that, quote, I never said that. No less than like, like fifty seconds. Yeah, like later. a minute later. So certainly not great. Um, Jose Altuve, who's been embroiled in uh, the buzzer con uh, controversy, that said, you know, he might have had buzzers telling him what kind of pitch was coming and where it was coming. At after hitting a walk off homer against the Roldis Chapman in the ALCS to uh, win the series, didn't want his jersey ripped off. And he was claiming now it's because of a bad tattoo. So the internet is trying to investigate whether or not he has such tattoo. I have some information on that. Okay. Information. From Twitter. Um, Oh, boy. No, they claimed he had that tattoo on his collarbone, right? Well, today, I think it was today, you know, he came into the clubhouse. And a lot of reporters stated they were talking to somebody else. He came in and made a real big show of taking off his shirt and walking around like he was looking for something for a while. So they could all see that he got, I don't remember if it was the daughter or the wife, whatever, Melanie, Melody, something tattooed on his collarbone. Well, someone found a picture um, from this past offseason. Yeah, of him at the beach. As him at the beach, and he has no such tattoo anywhere on his chest. So, I mean, like, obviously he just jumped into a chair last week. Like, Carlos Carr is like, you got to back me up, bro. Just go get a tattoo. Like, we got to. <laughs> yeah, I It's just... all weird. It Nothing adds up. This is all weird. So, so much of it is just what blows my mind is the press conference that they had so much time to prepare for. Yeah, they had so a meeting much time. about it. They had a meeting about yeah. it. Yeah. And yet, somehow, at the press conference and then away from the press conference, basically in the span of, like, two hours that morning, we got so many contradicting statements from players in front office. Did it affect anything? Did it not? I mean, they were all, quote, unquote, sorry. Did they think they should be punished? All this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I just – it feels so disingenuous to baseball – that Rob Manfred would make these deals with player and then be like, you tell me everything and you get full immunity. I am not going to tell the public everything. You don't have to tell the public everything. You get off scot-free for, for directly impacting the game. It's just wrong. It's just so wrong. I mean, wrong. I don't, I'm not even that mad. I mean, Manfred's handled this terribly. I'm not, but I'm not even like so much specifically with that. I get the whole... Uh, pragmatist side of why they why they allow the players to kind of go unscathed, but I, I'm more just upset with the players themselves. You're just yeah, trying no, to double yeah. down, triple down. Um, you know, Carlos Carrera is telling Cody Bellinger to f off that he doesn't know anything. It's like, dude, you cheated. It's in a report that Major League Baseball even admitted they're not even well equipped to investigate, but they at least got a report. Like, you cheated. You need to shut the hell up. 
Yeah, it's just the length that the players are going to to double down their defense. And they throw Carlos Beltran under the bus, which I'm sure like that's not true, or it's greatly exaggerated. Well, and to, show, his and role. to shove Mike Fires under the bus too for him coming forward with all of this. It's not and even we, them. Other ex players have said I would. Not, Mike Fires should be like you know, they should have cheated, but Mike Fires shouldn't have come out and said that. And I'm like that's a load of shit. Well, the other the other thing that you have one well, we've discussed that the fact that it affects other players so. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that he came out was good. But the other thing is it's just passing blame around and it's guys not admitting to what it actually did. There's statistical evidence that says, one, there were these trash can sounds, and you can tell based on more, certain, certain pitchers did one or so. did better because of it. And then also they won all those games, you know, in the ALCS when they were at home and couldn't win on the road. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh no! And I understand a lot of times you get the teams win at home, teams win on the road. But you saw them the next year. The home field advantage wasn't quite as good against the Nationals. Right? Why no. was it suddenly so good for one year? No, I totally agree. And I think, um, you know, I'm still not for stripping champ. It, we all know what happened. But I, I'm, after this week, I'm more like, yeah, screw it. Go ahead, take it away from him. Just because I'm just like, I can't stand. I just, there needs these- to be some sort of punishment. Wait, Whether see, it be and I think a, a dock of pay. Or Here's what I've said. The organization, or, I know there's like some collective bargain rule that they were limited at five million, but I said they should have to give up the estimated forty million they made. They should have had to like give up all their um, international pool money, right? So you couldn't yeah, bid on international dock players. Dock them ten round, ten picks, something like that. The other thing yeah. is, so the two things. One is, I think we've all. I think we'd all kind of fit in this same bucket, and you just kind of mentioned it. The more they talk about it, honestly, the angrier I get. Oh, yeah. Because it's just these people that aren't contrite. You know, if you apologize for it, and we're not even looking for that much. You know, I don't really care that much, but it's this fact that these guys are being assholes, and it's just like, what's going to stop them from doing it again? Well, yeah. What's going to cost my team from, you know, getting to a World Series again? You know, I'm a Cubs fan. My team won one World Series in 108 years. You're an Indians fan. Your team hasn't won a World Series since 1948. I mean, yeah. the Reds have won, you know, have won a few, but even them, you know, you 90. haven't won one in your lifetime. Right. So it's something that it's like, if you're taking away our one chance, it's ridiculous. You Darvish, you know, who was the GOAT mm-hmm. kind of from that series, oh, you know, yeah, he yeah. got just, you know, just drug across the dirt. Well, like, And he said, you know, look, these guys need to feel like they're sorry. It should be stripped. All these accolades that they had that's going to help them down the road, they should all be taken away. Well, yeah, they said sorry. None of them even attempted. They looked like three kids who threw a ball through, like, your neighbor's window and your parents drag you over there and, you know, like, tell them sorry. Yeah, like, they looked like they didn't look any way like they were sorry. Here's all you had to say. This is it. In some level of just actual, like, you give a shit. Look. We apologize. We understand this is embarrassing. We let winning get ahead of us. We we screwed up. Like that, that that's basically Make, it or something. Answer, yeah. answer definitively. Like, yeah. did you cheat on? Did you cheat yes, on baseball? I cheated. Yes, yes, I cheated. I, I did. Yes, I wore People buzzers. People forgave yes, Jason Giambi and those guys about the steroids thing. People would forget about it in a few weeks. Yeah. yeah. Everybody would feel a lot better about it if we just were told from the players. 
who we pay to watch. What happened? What happened? And why why did you soil the game like this? It's just like I think of I think of guys like Todd Frazier who was on that Yankees team and even he's said, you know, he was like that was probably like my last, you know, good go round at it and everything. Yeah. That was kind of my last chance. And I probably, you know, who knows if we would have won or not if it was even. But the fact was it wasn't even. We didn't have the chance. Right. Because that yeah. team and yeah. it's, had it's an advantage. Easy, it's easy to poo-poo on the Yankees, you know, yeah, so many rings and whatnot. But, yeah, a guy like Todd Frazier doesn't have that chance. And I will mm-hmm. say the other thing, not to get too off base with it, but I was trying to think of – find anything through sports that is in a similar vein to kind of this cheating. And the only thing that I found was in Italian soccer there was a cheating controversy with some referees being, you know, in on it as well. And these top teams in Italy got relegated to a second league, which Mm. means you lose TV money, you lose regular money, your players don't want to play for you the next year because they don't want to play in basically a triple-A format of soccer, you know, during Mm -hmm. the middle of your career. And it's like, you know, it didn't affect them too much in the the long run, but to a degree, you lost a lot of your good players. You lost hundreds of millions of revenue. And it's just something where it's like, I understand you can't do that in baseball, but there's... You can't get off scot-free from this. Look, if you have to – if they, you know, suspend everyone that's involved with it, 50 games, and the Astros have to play whoever their AAA – You could stagger the 50 whoever, games even. Well, I don't care. Yeah, or you have to basically play with a AAA roster for your first 50 games of the year. Oh, well. Who would feel bad for you? No – well, especially the way they've acted. That's my point. And then you keep hearing like in the report where, again, they like scapegoat Carlos Beltran and Alex Cora and all these people. And I, I know they're involved. I'm not giving them free pass. I'm just saying like they're like all oh, the players were too afraid to say anything. I'm like, what? Was this Little League or are these grown-ass men? We just talked about it with John Beeline. Yeah. These guys are making more money than anybody, than, than their bench coaches or their managers. You've seen – player after player in any league, especially Major League Baseball, where these guys are making mm-hmm. insane amounts of money, that oh, if they baseball, don't want to do yeah. something, they'll tell their managers to F off. They'll leave the team. They'll ask to be traded. If there was really a problem, that because if it was something that was impacting winning or impacting their, their bottom line, they would have a problem with it, and they would, stay, yeah. they would say something. But it was helping them win, and hey, no problems. Too scared to talk about it. I just don't it. like the defiance in – Every interview we've seen since then. You know, there's been a few other guys who are no longer with the team or, like, more edge players who have come out and apologized. Uh, I can't remember his name. The one guy came out and, like, did really give, like, you know, I am embarrassed. I am sorry this happened kind of apology. Um, He's more of, like, a utility guy. But most of the rest of the guys, it's just been Carrera and all those guys have just been completely defiant. And that, yeah, like I said, I've never been big on – taking championships and stuff away, but, like, I'm all for it now, whatever. Well, I mean, what's what's unfortunate for MLB uh, is that we've seen two other cases uh, in sports this week, cheating cases, where uh, a penalty was handed down mm. uh, to the team that was in the wrong. Uh, Russia lost their 2014 Olympic gold medal uh, for a doping scandal. Their gold medal was taken away for the 2014 games. Uh, And then we saw Manchester United, who has been banned. Manchester City. Manchester City, excuse me. Um, Yeah, City's been banned from the Champions League for two years. uh, Yeah, for two uh, years. What does that mean? For financial. So basically what the Champions League is, and we might be getting too deep into soccer, but basically if you finish near the top, depending on what league you're in, you know, obviously England's the top league. 
there's a certain kind of league of all of Europe where uh, they play each other in group stage okay. and then it's, it's, like kind, of like a, it's kind of like the Europe Club World Cup kind okay. of, or Europe Club Cup yeah. that they play the year after. Mm-hmm. So if you lose that, then you lose a lot of games against some top teams. Manchester City would probably play in it. It's another opportunity for, you know, a trophy, money. glory in Europe, a lot of money, but they didn't. I guess they didn't abide by the financial yeah, fair play rules. Financial or tampering, and yeah, there's a financial fair play rule, but it's one of those things where that rule is in place so that teams are at a level playing field, whether that be on the pitch or on the court or in the front office. Right. If you're gaining a advantage that is defined in the rules and you are breaking said rule to gain an advantage, you are cheating and directly impacting the game. And in the Russia case and in the Manchester City case, we saw harsh penalties handled down, a medal taken away, a two-year suspension. So it's just like at a certain point, the Astros organization needs to be held accountable. Oh, yeah. Really the only thing you did was provide immunity to guys so that you could tell us what happened and then really not give us the full story, and then your source tell us that none of that really happened. <laughs> yeah. So really, and we gained one nothing of things, out of this. Is imagine yeah. like winning a championship or, or getting a promotion at work or anything like that. Maybe getting a promotion at work that you didn't do quite by the books, and all they do is you know maybe you get a fifty thousand dollar a year raise, which is ridiculous. You know it's a lot, and all you have to give up is you know. A grand, and then people laugh at you for a couple weeks. Ha ha, you cheated. But you don't lose the promotion. Mm-hmm. You don't lose any of the money. I mean, it's one of those things that it's like, yeah, why not? I'll cheat again. Like, well, if yeah, that's the yeah, worst thing, why wouldn't I cheat? It's like the same thing with a lot of these other cheating, you know, I mean, not to go back to steroids, but, you know, steroids and stuff like that. It's like, look, if I'm not going to get penalized to any degree, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I help my team win? Why wouldn't I help my, you know, help get myself a hundred more million dollars. Well, that's why I think Rob Manfred is so foolish in his statements that he was like, well, I gave these guys immunity so that they, so that we could find out what happened. And they told me the truth about 2017, as was corroborated in our investigation. And they told me the Which truth about 2018. Which then he later admitted they, they, they're, they're yeah, not good at investigating. They, didn't, really have, they yeah. didn't really have the tools to investigate anyway, so who <laughs> knows what you corroborated. And then he goes on to say, so who's to say that they didn't tell me the truth about... 2019 it's just like who's to say are you kidding me man you just told these guys that you know nothing's going to happen to you oh, yeah. if you keep doing this as long as you tell me like what kind of i mean i, I understand like, why is that? what is I, this guy playing on like honestly i think this i i get why he did that i do because otherwise I they understand. weren't gonna get and really i think it looks bad and it's 50 50 him but it's also i think he's probably going to think i give them immunity we get the full story we get in front of the story okay and then he's probably assuming that these are normal human beings and would show some contrition and i'm sure right now he's just been cringing every day in his office because it looks basically they're being defiant acting like defiant privileged white kids or something you know what i mean like they're just putting the middle finger to everything you know right but i mean i know i'm just saying i think the original thought was we give immunity we get the story they're gonna be contrite about it and it's not as big of a story that they got immunity but now that we all hate them 
with the utmost passion. And I can't wait till Mike Clevenger takes a nice four seam fastball right to Carlos Carrera's helmet. Yeah, I mean that's I'm what excited. you got. That's what you got to understand is that you're you're putting you're putting the state of baseball in a very risky position because people are going to tune in to watch that crap. And it's so going to happen. Yeah. Players are not yeah. going to care about your harsher penalty. Like the over-under is 83 and a half. So. I hope they hit that in the first month. But Yeah, I mean, you had fans today. The Astros could barely get through the first 10 minutes of batting practice at spring training because you had guys today showing up at the facilities, banging trash cans around <laughs> and everything. It's, it's going like, to be a long year for those guys, and the more they're defined and assholes exactly. about it, it's, it's like going to be more, brutal. The more you let this drag out, the more – the baseball world is going to hate you. The more you make it a story, the more it's going to be a story. Oh yeah, and they they've uh, yeah they've done that. We'll be talking about this a lot. I'm sure. Rob Manfred is just yeah. Speaking of Rob Manfred, uh, the one thing I'm sold on that he did well this week, Greggy. All right. Well, do we want to start with uh, 2020 or the playoffs? I mean, we can hit the 2020 stuff. Yeah. All right. I just want to preview this as a. Uh... This is a civil conversation about the proposed baseball rules. Well, I'm not worked up about the 2020 stuff. I'm all for people getting jobs. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, well, I am upset about the three batters. It's going to be a civil, civil discussion. All righty. Well, we'll start with the 2020 rule changes. We'll just kind of highlight those for you. Uh, First is the three batter rule. So, pitchers must go three batters or till the end of an inning before um, a pitcher is changed out. Um, next is the 26 man uh, rosters during the majority of the season will have 26 players uh, side of September and you can have a total of 13 pitchers uh, that updates from the 25 man roster which did not limit a number of pitchers uh, September call-ups September call-ups used to make a roster go from 25 to 40 now it's 26 to 28 on the roster there's also a new breed of player that they will um, give called two-way players and this is mostly for the Reds Michael Lorenzen and the Angels Shohei Otani players with at least 20 innings pitched or 20 starts or I'm sorry and 20 starts in the field or as a DH won't count past won't count against the pitcher limit they'll count as two-way players you mm-hmm. can kind of have them on because they kind of do it all guys but it's important to have them one for the pitchers total but also for the pitchers rule um you can only have designated pitchers or two-way players pitch in a game unless that game goes to extra innings or a team is down by more than six runs. The final difference is uh, the 10-day injured list turned into, or the 15-day injured list turned into the 10-day injured list. Well, now they're kind of doing a mix of that this year. Uh, pitchers and the two-way players, if they're put on the shortest DL, it is a 15-day injured list um the other position players still have the 10-day injured list that was proposed I last hate year the injured list things the fucking disabled list god um yeah i don't have any issues i've been trying to say i instead of dl it's I really know. tough i don't have any i i hate the three batter rule i just it, that changes the gameplay i'll tell you we'll get to that that just but otherwise i'm all four guys having more jobs uh september call-ups you call it 40 i'm glad they cut that down i Probably would like to see one like 32. Yeah, I would have said like 30. Just have a couple more guys because yeah. I think especially for some of the um, some of the clubs that are kind of looking towards next year, right. get a couple of the AAA guys I, up to start. That's a little low, but um, 
So uh, I yeah. have a couple stats for you All right. on the three batter rule. So last year, um, there were combined 800 of the such appearances that would count as, quote, illegal appearances this year. Mm-hmm. So it would be 800 times that a pitcher came in for less than three batters that was not at the end of an innings. If someone came in for the last out of the eighth, that does not count. Do you know who had the most of those? Uh, what team had the most of? Indians. The Indians had know, 52 yeah. of those such appearances. Uh, by the way, the 800 of such a, uh, about 800, because I couldn't find the number for this year, uh, is roughly once per team per week. Mm-hmm. Um, the most was Cleveland with 52. Uh, 19 of those were from Oliver Perez, yeah. who was a lefty specialist, yeah. with 11 teams having less than 20 all year. Well, Tito's known for that. Of the more than uh, 16,500 relief appearances last year, about 800 of them were the illegal ones. So this would affect less than 5% mm. of all relief appearances, which as far as speeding up the games would maybe add would maybe cut on average about 30 seconds per game of play. Time. Right, that's what I'm saying. I look, I'm I I don't I I'm intrigued to see how it works. Adds a little more um you know, me I I'm all for letting pitch, you know, starters go longer. We'll see how that all kind of works throughout the year. It'll be interesting to see how the different managers adjust to that and like it's, you know, a little more um, strategy involved kind of in what you're thinking. Yeah, but it's one of those things that has kind of gone down in the last couple of years mm-hmm. actually in the MLB. But I just think, like you were pointing out, the time saved, all these gameplay rules. See, this is what I'm getting worked about. That's why I'll get to the playoff and why I love it. It doesn't change the gameplay at all. I don't, these gameplay rules, 30 seconds here, there, like there's a few of them, like the different time clocks, everything works out. It's like 15 minutes. No one is not watching baseball because they're like, you know what? It's two minutes too long or it's, 15 minutes. No, there it's it's the right. game is the game. On my average. my my only thought with the gameplay rules is there are so many of these small changes to add two minutes here, two minutes there. My two biggest things, one, we need a pitch clock. Uh, and I absolutely I hate, hate that. no, because I hate having to watch, and I'm gonna throw him under the bus just because I know him so Pedro Baez takes 30 plus seconds. Per time, and it sounds Rafael like Bentoncourt, I, the yeah. king. That's why, they yeah, the have human that rain delay. Yeah. And then my biggest problem is just and this can this can make me sound like an old man. Just get in the box and hit. We don't need to Johnny Gums it. We don't need to spend twenty seconds adjusting our helmet and everything. We don't need to you know grab our belt, take off our glove, rub the ball, you know, touch our back, do the macarena, and then throw a pitch. Just get up there, throw a pitch. Get in the box. That's the way the game's always been played. I, I see. I, I that's not the way the game's always been played. Oh my god! Whatever. I'm not a fan. I just think you, you let let them play, man. I don't need clocks telling me it's baseball. It's leisurely. That's, that's You're one supposed of the problems be... I have with Rob Manfred is that you you run this whole let the kids play campaign, but then do you? No. Like and and all of this gameplay stuff really is shortening the game by like if if successful on all fronts. Maybe like 10, 15 That's minutes. That's my point. It's not going to make a difference. That's so why you need to put the big it. stuff in. So my my thing is is I don't I, – there are certain things like I've, I am, I don't hate the three batter minimum. I actually kind of like it. Um, I don't think it's necessary by any means. I think it's whatever. But I have more of a problem with these rules and the, the, the principle of them where MLB is like the reason we're doing this is to speed up the game. It's just like it's not speeding up the game. 
It's and it's just like I mean, they do. if you want to if you want to put enough. so much control over the game, then why are you running this campaign on let the kids play? Like if you'd let the kids play, put less control over the game. You want to speed the game up? This is what I would do. And this is one thing I am okay with. You come out of the bullpen, you get one warm up pitch and let's go. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Okay, yeah. that makes sense because you've just been sitting out there warming up for 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand I'm that. I'm cool like, with that. See, my, my other thought was the other thing that I was kind of workshopping on the way down, and it's the one thing Major League Baseball would never do, but if you don't have – if you have DHs for both leagues, then you can allow your pitcher to either warm up you know, mm. below ground or in the yeah. bullpens between innings, and you only do breaks – Maybe every third switch, you know. Well, three games because they, they, they wipe the dirt. Well, that's what I mean. Middle yeah. middle of the first, after the second. Every other time you go out, you'll get a chance to I mean, warm I'm up for a couple of minutes. stuff, the in-between shit. Yeah, but that's, that's fine. My only thought is, like, I, I, I like baseball, and I like to watch baseball. But also, I went to the, what was it? Because in the lower leagues, they have the oh, pitch yeah, clock. Oh, yeah, yeah. I went to a Clippers game, and yeah. it's one of those things where I go in with low expectations. But you actually feel the game moving a little bit and it's it something does. that you don't really notice but the game moves a little bit i mean i just does. need a little just... kick in the pants because you look at a lot of the guys it's not going to affect them that much but these guys that are going to sit around or you right. know like i said johnny gomes or pedro bio is it it's going to force them to get in the box i don't hate bit. the pitch clock i'm not necessarily saying that i get it i sure <laughs> I, I really don't hate it i'm just not you know as far as the gameplay goes i'm more of a purist on that front i just i but i, I yeah the pitch clock's fine the three I have said I'm intrigued by this three batter. I'm curious to see how this works. I just, I don't know. I, I don't particularly like it. And the reasoning behind it is, like Josh said, just kind of, yeah. it's all about this new fan engagement guy. 15 minutes isn't going to bring you anybody else. Yeah, and that's what I mean. The, the three batter minimum, it was one of those things that I had heard for a number of years. And I, I kind of like the idea behind because sometimes, you know, in the playoffs, you'll see matchup, matchup, matchup. Right. But it gets really, a if crazy. you look at it, during the regular season, like I said, it's one time per oh, batter sweet. per week. And I yeah. watch, you know, the two teams that I watch the most realistically are the Cubs and the Indians and to a lesser degree the Reds just because mm-hmm. they're on the regular cable. And you see a little bit with the Indians, obviously, because they're Tito the most. Loves, but with yeah. a lot of teams, you don't see it that much. You'll see, no. you know, when a pitcher gets tired or a pitcher gets slammed around a little bit or something like that. But really, that's not – the biggest issue in the game no. it's the problem of you know it's just a slow paced game man yeah. yeah i agree some of this stuff maybe if you implement everything it can maybe in a good day cut off 30 minutes but still it's yeah. not but you're not gonna you're not gonna be the college basketball or the <laughs> soccer where you're gonna get right. in and out in two hours yeah if, i think happen. if you could get the average game under three hours you wanna know how you cut down time like i said take out all that in between pitching and the warming up Hey guys, how about you take a little less money and get rid of all the commercial breaks? That's what really are dragging these games out. It's really that. It is because you have to take a commercial break in between every Or half honestly, inning. I mean, once again, baseball purists might not like it, but I watch a ton of basketball. They'll have some ads right before you're shooting free throws or doing something else. If you have an ad occasionally during a pitch, I'm still going to sit there. I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's fine with me. Throw it well, on the big bottom line. Throw a big banner. Yeah, or, 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 actually, just, or just take off shit. half the screen. You can't hear you know, your guys for a couple minutes. They talk about whatever, tied or whatever, and then it goes away, and you don't miss a pitch. You don't, you don't miss anything. I'm fine with that. I don't need to hear Well, in today's digital Rick age, Manning that, talk. That, oh, that is more successful marketing-wise, too, than running through a commercial that I'm is gonna just Because I'm going to go run another, to the bathroom. 
Well, it's just another commercial in a, yeah. in a mix of 30 other commercials yeah. other than other than a spot in the game in between a pitch read by your broadcast. Oh, yeah. I, I Like I said, I remember a number of They'd the – They'd make more money if I they remember, did that. I remember, the, I remember more of the advertisers that do it during free throws on TNT than or, or during free throws during the Cavs game than I do. Because if it's during that, you know, some I'll either zone out on my phone or I'll switch channels. So yeah, certainly one thing. Um, some interesting rules. Will be nice to see. You know, some twenty-six man rosters. I think the two-way players in the the pitchers rule are just kind of weird. I think it, they're trying to get rid of the. They overcomplicate it. Yeah, they just kind of overcomplicate thing a little bit. So. I'm all for guys having more jobs. So so yeah, that's that's not really a problem for me. Yeah. But just making a bunch of these rules for you know. Two the or six three run thing. What is this high school? Well, like, you have to have these run rules. But that's, well, the that's problem whatever. is they've had you know in all these blowouts they've had position players pitching, but it's, right. it's not going to change. And then you have the two way player rule for two players right now. So yeah. Oh well. All right. On from twenty twenty changes to the proposed playoff changes. Um, so there were some proposals from MLB to change the playoff format. And the playoff format would go from 10 teams to a 14-team playoff with the top record from each league getting a bye to the divisional round, so the top AL and NL team. The other two division winners and the top of the four wildcard teams for each league would host a three-game series, which would be known as the wildcard round. The division winners by record would pick the wildcard opponent that they'd want to choose and then the last remaining wildcard team or the top wildcard team would take whatever team is left. So it would be a TV process where, say, in the NL, the Yankees were the top seed and then the Indians and the Angels won the other two leagues. They'd get to pick their teams. The other top playoff team, maybe being the Twins, gets to pick their team. And then, or well, the other playoff team, the Twins would take whoever's left. So if you pick the Astros and the Red Sox, then maybe they'd have to take the Rays. So it would increase the playoffs from 10 to 14 teams, would add another handful of games per round, and um, would allow for a, what, call it a reality TV show to pick, to send a representative in to pick who they want to play. Love it. Love it all. Let me let me go ahead. To, uh, all right. Let me tell you why. Because I've heard. I don't get it. You I, start first. I, I mean, I get the anger at Manfred. And if this is just purely like go screw yourself, I get that. Pre- let me preface a couple of things for you. <clears throat> One, what major professional sports league is like literally the worst at marketing or doing anything a little bit outside the box or creative? Baseball. Baseball is. They don't know how to market anybody. They don't know how to get people. You know, the fringe fans. That's what leagues live on, these fringe fans to an extent. I'm a diehard fan. I mean, shit, you could have these guys hitting off tees and playing practically cricket, and I'll I'll watch. But you need to get some of these fringe fans. This is interesting. I I love this, first of all. Um, I think for the small market teams, it's a big plus. The small to mid-market teams, that's a huge plus. I heard all week from a lot of them on the news, like, they're excited about this possibility. Um... I mean, just kind of going down the list here, I think you're looking at increasing to seven teams. Again, you middle market teams. You're keeping more fan bases involved because baseball is such a regional sport. 
I mean, we all watched football. Like, I'm a Packers fan. Even the last couple years the Packers weren't in the playoffs. I still watched the playoff football. Um, NBA fans will typically still watch NBA playoff basketball. Baseball's not like that. Fans don't stay engaged as much. I mean, I still do. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm for, I'm for expansion for a lot of reasons. That being, that being one of them. I just, it includes, if you want to retain and gain more fans, include, include more of the, more of the, you know, piece of the pie for all right. the fans. And this also encourages teams to, you know, actually play for the top spot in the league. There's still and, the bonuses and, and for fight, having the best record. Fight for the wild card spots. You know, there's all the incentives to keep teams in it through all 162 games. There's no tiebreaker games anymore. Gets rid of the one. I hate the one, one game. game that's so, that's card. not baseball. That's what people kept saying. That's the that that was the greatest invention was the one game. I'm like, you're a bunch Horrible. of football people. No, baseball at least needs to be played in the series. Um you know, the three higher seeds you get to pick, they played all at home, so you don't have the travel day layoffs so in there. here's what I don't – well, Which I kind of like. It gives that both – but at the same time, those lower seed teams, they still got a good shot. You got to win two or three. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though, what? is that it does create – you're talking about it doesn't create, you know, the, the travel and everything. I get it. They could have a week off, but you know what? How many times that happens with one team depending on the other league between the ALCS and the World Series – there's been several week long layoffs. It sure. happens. That's the way it goes. Sure. I it just it I don't creates, like that. It creates, you know, you play 162 games, you have one weekend off and all of that for the All-Star game. Right. And then you're supposed to take 7 to 10 days off. There's ways the Indians ran into that and there's ways around it. You you do scrimmages. It's not the same. I get that, but nothing is perfect and I think taking one small edge out of that would I Here's what I don't like about it, and it's very Bud Selig of uh, Rob Manfred uh, to to do this. It's all just geared towards the TV deals and getting the TV money. I mean, the reality TV thing, I mean, that's it's just— It's not reality TV. It's the same thing the NBA does with the lottery. It's the same thing all these leagues do. Yeah, but it's not it's not picking your playoff opponent. Like why play, why play the 162 games and introduce all these scenarios and tiebreakers— if the team just gets to pick and choose who they get to play, then then why why have that's the standings? bonus of that? Sure, well, you get that because you get to pick. I think that's the, the most ingenious idea. Think about what that's going to do for these fan bases. That creates then more drop. Here's the point: sports at the end of the day, guys, it's entertainment. It's you're still going to lose. You're still going to lose all these fans after three days, and you're rewarding mediocrity after what? After Don't three give days. me rewarding mediocrity when every other professional sports league, like the NBA and hockey, has more than yes, half the teams. But in here's the, the problem with what? baseball: if you get a hot pitcher or you get someone That's going, the way it works now, it doesn't matter. The Indians in '16 were not one of the top two teams. They should not have been there. They got yes, hot but they were good the enough. Right they were time. one of the top couple teams. They weren't like a mid-level An team. Injured team. And that's not gonna happen, though. I'm tired that of hearing that. That is what's gonna happen, and it's not. Once gonna, you get into a seven game, keep, it's not gonna keep more teams in because half the teams that are still tanking are still gonna be tanking. There's always gonna be tanking. That's not going away. But you're telling me that now, instead of having half the league tank, that there's not a few more teams like, oh shit, we can now make the playoffs because unfortunately, when you don't, then fine. If you don't want to do this, that's fine. Then you have to put a hard salary cap in. A hard one because no offense, when you're these other mid-level teams, like they said, we can't compete. Make more money. I don't know what to say. No, but the other thing, no, yeah. I mean, I'm with you on but that. The, I'm the with other you thing, on that. I'm, I'm fine with the hard salary cap because at some point there are these teams that 
care about the care about the luxury tax and the teams no, don't care about the luxury tax. No, they only do when it's convenient. The yeah, Red Sox when the, thing was not about money. Look, as someone that's dealing with the poor, poor Ricketts family and then oh, having to do with stuff like that. don't give me the bitching about being poor. The Dolan so, family is a fuck. So at the end of the day, it's then great. You'll get those mid-level teams that'll be like, hey, we made, we made the one-game playoff a couple of years. We made it into the first round and got swept out a couple of years. We really went for it. We're down. That's what happens in the NBA all the time. These teams get up to seven or six is, seeds and then say, I'm out. The baseball playoffs are a crapshoot, though, because you are right. That's the point. Teams know you get hot at the right time. Anybody can knock out anybody in two out of three games. That's the point. But the higher seed still gets to play all those games at home. That's still an advantage. To There's a nothing wrong with at adding more teams, letting more teams in. There's nothing no. wrong with that. That that makes no that whole idea, this whole notion. I mean, you have 162 games to prove yourself. If you're not going to be one of the best teams, you can get hot. But at that point, you have six months to figure First it out. First of all, because you we, have six months because we talked it out. about this a few days ago. I know you're on this end, and that's fine. That's why I'll go ahead and let you have your argument, even though. All I'm going to tell anybody else is, anybody else is saying no to this, then fine. You have to be against the one-game playoff. You have to be against having any wildcard teams. Your only recourse is to say, we should go back to an AL West, AL East, and only the top two teams play in a pennant game, and there's a World Series. That's it. That's the only other option. You can't have it in the middle ground because there's nothing wrong with this. You add more teams, keeps more fan base. This is proven stuff. This works. This is more fun. What is wrong? More baseball is fun now. Yeah. I want more baseball, and I'm excited, and I love the idea of a higher C team. I know as an Indians fan, last year, like the New York Geekies would have been like, we're taking the Cleveland Indians. And that jacks up a fan base. That gets people, and people are like, that adds a little more because people keep talking about this one game. It adds drama. That adds drama to it. It's a little bit of a fuck you to the other team. Here's, here's why, and, and it goes back to my whole, my whole beef with Rob Manfred this whole episode, is it goes back to the principle on why they want to do this. I mean, what they want to create with the wild card games is kind of a March Madness scenario where there is starting on, I think it would start on Tuesday of the week instead of Thursday like March Madness does, mm -hmm. um, where there are then just games all afternoon and evening every day of the week, and then that leads up to the divisional series. And... The reason they're creating that, I mean, MLB has uh, uh, the exclusive deal with Fox for the World Series and the All-Star Game. Right. That TV deal runs through 2028. Yeah. But with ESPN and Turner, TBS and TNT, that TV deal is over in 2021. So my beef with all of this is that it's all it's not geared – yes, it lets more teams into the playoffs, which I, I think playoff expansion – and correcting some of the series and scheduling in it, I think is something I mean, that I would needs like to, to be addressed. I would like the schedule to be tweaked better. Yeah, it's I something agree. Something that needs yeah, to that, be addressed. Because that, that's, that's honestly my biggest problem that I have with it is I, I actually like the two-league thing, but my biggest problem is at the end of the day, when you get penalized to a degree because they only have the top team in each league. Right. And I don't always think that's the best team. I think having a lot of teams that is similar ground is to a degree a degree better maybe having yeah. you know two division winners in the four wild cards because the problem is when you know the one year the cubs were really good they had the cardinals that were a good team they had the brewers that were a good team and if you have to play you know 20 games or 40 games against those two teams you're going to be down and yeah. if you miss by one game because you have to play a tougher schedule than you know the dodgers that are playing against half the teams that don't even care about baseball you're going to get penalized and you're going to have to go into a 
you know, a three-game Thunderdome, and if you happen to face a good team, Mm -hmm. even if you get to pick, if you still have to face a good team, then you're going to be penalized for that. And the Dodgers, because they play in a league that, you know, in a division that half the teams don't care because they know the Dodgers have more money, well, then even if you're a, you know, a a higher-level team like the Cubs, but not quite a team that can spend like the Dodgers, you're still going to be penalized for it. No, I agree. I are there small things? Yes, I agree. I don't like the schedule. I don't like that a team has taken. I mean, I would almost just say, why seven? Just go to eight then, in my opinion. But we won't go down yeah, that I road. Mean, I mean, just way, so. That's what I'm saying. There's, I don't think yeah, this I think is the right did, way. My I, biggest problem is I think they're just throwing out buzzwords. I think there's a way to do it that's smart. Exactly. Yeah, but No, and I get why people are upset. I don't trust Rob Manfred either. I get it. I'm just saying overall for Major League Baseball to have something kind of creative and different like i love the pick your opponent thing i think that's fun and at the end of the day sports is entertainment especially professional sports it is it is but it needs to come but that doesn't mean that the decisions need to be based on the in entertainment you know i'm not saying they always are but every league does that and it is about money at the end of the day and i'm just saying it's about fan engagement the tv thing this real it's not reality tv it's the same thing every other league does and my other my other big issue is if you look at any degree i mean there's probably a time that the orioles beat a good team in a series this year yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, that's the point. So the fact that it's only a three-game series. I know basketball has seven games for everything. And usually after seven games, you can figure out who's the best. No, I, I just My only problem is, and I understand the wild card is a little bit eh, because it, you know, if you, have a, if you have one really good pitcher, you can figure it out. And, you know, being someone that's only been really on the right side of it. I've been on I the wrong side of the 13, and we it. were on the right side of the DS. The Indians should not have beat the Red Sox in 16, but they did because it was only a five-game set. Look. But at least five games, I feel like you at least get through a second round. It's you have better to have than the some one more. game. I know it's not perfect, but, th- yeah. but no one's going to want the seven games. Are you going to want seven? I would. Most other people are not going to want seven no, you games already, you already get. Well, that's what I mean. You already get the playoff fatigue. So if you're adding that many more extra games, then. I think they could do the schedule better. I think they could contract it with only the three games and no travel day to where. I would love to see if they, if they took it off and maybe made this season 156 and added some stuff well, in here and there like it used yeah. to be. that's fine too i just i don't think there's any, i i think there's getting a lot of backlash on this because of how shittily rob manfred's done everything else i think out of because anything of baseball's brought presented. up because here's what you have to understand is that you know nba nfl you know those leagues have their issues and with their commissioners and everything uh, more than nfl so uh, yeah. but but you look at those sports, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a toss-up. Yeah. But uh, you look at those sports, and those sports, the sport, basketball, football in America, those are growing. Baseball is the one major sport that is declining. And so, I mean, yeah, the average fan is double Zach's age, So say what you really Say old. what you will about the other playoffs and scheduling and formats. Those leagues don't have to come at it as we're trying to fix the sport and grow the sport. Baseball is trying to do that, but they're doing it the wrong way. They need to come at it of how do we fix the sport, not how do we fix the entertainment business of the sport. They are- That's the issue I have with it, is that it's coming as a, how do we make the game shorter? How do we create more offense? I agree with the shorter, but the gameplay is not changing. You're just adding more teams. Deal. That keeps more people involved. That does grow it. And by the way, I mean, baseball actually... I mean, in half their media markets, like in Cleveland, the Indians draw well. I mean, it's not – baseball's TV fine. Wise. TV, TV wise. wise. Yeah. 
Yeah, but because even, you have too many games. Yeah, if you want. I mean, I'm just saying. I don't. I haven't heard a real good reason why these are bad. I mean, you have to look at it. The the Indians are a very telling thing for me because yeah, TV wise they're up, but in the year that they had 90 wins plus the All Star game, their attendance was down 12. percent So it's just like NFL attendance. Every professional people would rather watch games on their TV on their couch. That's where it's going. It's for all sports. Well, I think we'll leave our conversation there. We're gonna agree to disagree. All right. As baseball world does right now, I mean, it's very. I'm curious to see how. Uh, well, it's just me things. and Buster only versus everybody. <laughs> I, well, I think yeah. I think we're all at least all of us are kind of in the in the camp of we have things that we like about it, things that we dislike about Can it. Can you just and give I, me this? At least baseball came up with some kind of idea that at was least they different. Did something, yeah, they did something. I just, I'm just saying something that wasn't awful or it terrible. Or but whatever. the fact that that gets you excited is the biggest disappointment. <laughs> It made it because it's baseball. I never thought they would come up with it. I thought they were going to retract back to the AL East, AL West all of a sudden and get rid of teams. Who who knows? Who knows at this point what's in store? I don't know. We'll see how it all works out. Again, those are proposed. We'll see what happens between now and then. All righty. Well, now that we are all Jacked just up. fired up as possible, it's time to get into our issues that we have with the Ohio sports world, with the sports world in general. So we're going to start off. Zach zinging. Josh is jeering. I'm grumbling. We'll start off actually with Josh. Josh, who are you jeering today? Got to let you calm down a little bit, Zach. I am jeering Mel Tucker. uh, No. uh, Former Colorado coach that took the Michigan State coach after Luke Fickle said no. Uh, Mel Tucker had originally said no um, and then took the job, did not address his team before he left, which I just think is like... That's cold-blooded. I've always said since like since that happened with Brian Kelly and everything, like that's just such a cold thing to do. Like you build, you tell these players, like you scream at these players for months about commitment and integrity and, and I'll be here for you. Come to and, Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, we're a, come we're to a Colorado, family. I'll we're a team. And then... Oh yeah. Not gonna hear from me again. I took another job somewhere else. And so then Mel Tucker comes in and he gets his introductory press conference and everything up in East Lansing, Michigan. And he goes on about how we're going to create a culture of integrity here at Michigan State and everything, and how that we will build character in our student athletes and we will have this. He kept harping on this culture of integrity. And it's just like, how can you look at this guy who originally turned this job down because of money and then another guy turns it down. They come back with a little more money. He can't even address his former team and tell them that he's leaving. Coward. Like, I I don't know how you, I I don't know how Michigan State fans are like feeling, uh, probably the two most miserable, paranoid just grief-stricken, <laughs> always angry fan bases in America right now are the Houston Astros camp and the Michigan State oh, Spartans yeah, camp. Yeah. I don't know how you could be happy with either organization uh, right now. That's no. my jeer. Mel Yikes. Issues on both Good luck ends. in the Big Ten, my friend. All right, going over to Zach. Zach, I'm sure you have someone to get fired up and zing ah. about. Who are you zinging today? Uh, I had a hard time finding one. I'm, I'm going to go with actually something I read a couple weeks ago. Um, didn't really ever touch on. Uh, this Mark Emmert uh, as we're talking about big wigs of sports oh, leagues and organizations, I'm going to go ahead and take a shot at the NCAA. Um, 
So we all know about the pay for play uh, with the, you know, California and several of these other states, Florida, trying to pass laws where uh, college players can profit off their likeness and not affect their status and eligibility. Um, well, the NCAA at first, it seemed like, as usual, instead of getting ahead of it, they were at least going to come around to making that work. Um, well, uh, came out a couple weeks ago that Mark Emmer has been sending letters to congressmen and senators and begging them and having meetings with them and begging them to uh, pass laws to, uh, as he calls it, uh, protect the amateurism of NCAA. And I think for such, I think of any league, as much as we want to bash Roger Goodell, Gary Bettman, uh, Rob Manfred, even Adam Silver's handling of a few things, even though he's usually untouchable. Mark Emmert is really like the Darth Vader, Emperor Snoke of like sports. Like he is yeah. just a like the NCAA anymore. What they do, they profit, make billions of dollars a year off these student athletes. You know, like you're kind of jumping off Josh's jeer. You know, Mel Tucker can jump shit with no issue because I mean Michigan State's going to pay that buyout. Right, he's not paying anything. Um, but dare a student athlete try and transfer somewhere? Right, and so kind of to jump off my you know. Screw you, Mark Emmer, and just like the terrible person that you are. Kind of jumping off that is that Gene Smith in the Big Ten, um, Gene Smith is the Ohio State athletic director as well as a couple other athletic directors, recently sent out a proposal around to the different uh, conferences stating that they want to institute a one-time transfer um, rule where any player in any sport can transfer one time, does not have to sit out, does not affect eligibility. And actually the ACC just released a statement today saying they were going to support that as well. Um, I think it's time for the um, Power Five and obviously maybe like the AAC and some of these other conferences to kind of get together and say, you know, we might need to do something. For Coaches can leave here. after one year and they get no penalty. Right. They actually right. get more money. Exactly. So I think, you know, what the NCAA is trying to do to student athlete is uh, sad. And I think it's heading down a bad road, especially when you've seen the XFL and some of these other opportunities players can have, you know, to not go to college. So. Um, that's my zinger. yeah, and you can you see that in college basketball. If guys can find a way to get, you know, you've seen what I mean. Some of it is smaller colleges, but I think there was a uh, comment that I think three or four out of the top thirteen players in the twenty nineteen recruiting class are actually going to the NCAA right. tournament. I, I'm not telling, I'm not saying all these guys should make tons of money. I'm just saying I think they can have a cut. They can't work, so I mean they need some kind of cost to live. And I don't think it's anything wrong if a kid wants to take his girlfriend out to dinner on a Friday night or do something normal college. Yeah. And you know do. what, if this guy wants to do a crappy commercial for a car dealership and make 1200 bucks. Yeah. Jim Bob's care. golden corral. And the thing is, if they want to pay him a lot of money and then there they realize that they're going to be a backup, I think there would be. Well, and the other thing is it's going to regulate itself. Cause yeah, these car dealerships can only pay money for so many young kids when they realize that they're going to transfer. They're actually the backups <laughs> or, exactly. you know, well, and yeah, I mean, you got to look at how you're going to combat like the G League and the XFL and their plans to pay players. I mean, like, yeah, if there's going to be other opportunities for college athletes to get paid, you know, it's you can yeah. combat that in some way. It's here, so yeah, they need to get on it. Greggy, what's your grumpy? Grumbling. All righty, grumpy. So grumble. my my grumpy grumble, as as the kids are saying these days, is with something that has kind of fallen off and I felt like has, has come back in the last couple of years. It's been really exciting in the last couple of years in the dunk contest. Now in the dunk contest, there was a controversial win for Derek Jones Jr. 
over Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. And there was some conversation of, you know, they were trying to, you know, kind of pick the votes so they could tie, so they could get one more dunk. You know, there was some controversy that maybe Dwayne Wade gave a nine instead of a 10 because he wanted a guy that, you know, he played with in Miami to win. It's just, it's just ridiculous because it's one of these things that you look at a guy like Aaron Gordon, he's, he jumped over a seven five guy, and you can say even he ducked a little bit. He pretty much jumped right over like a seven three guy. Then at that point, mm-hmm. it was an awesome dunk, and it's one of those things where you can tell something like this means so much to him. You know, he's a good player. He's not a great player. He's not an all star. He's not playing for the Warriors. He's playing for the Magic. <laughs> so something like a dunk contest win is something that'll probably stay with him for a while. Something big, something like a Nate Robinson, where you don't really remember him aside of you know big yeah. dunk contest, but he won the dunk contest. Yeah. So it's one of these things where. The NBA just has to figure it out to have some sort of maybe have, you know, actual, you know, these pro dunkers that do the TNT stuff or whatever, have them be judges, have regular judges every year. But having some of these, you know, BS celebrity judges, having Common or whoever out there just kind of dilutes the competition. And it's one of those things that it's like, yeah. It makes it, it even may more not, subjective than yeah, it already is. It may not get Aaron Gordon into the Hall of Fame, but you know what? It's something you could tell really Whoa, meant something to him. he's been close before. And he, he's gotten robbed twice. Yeah, yeah, And it's one of these things where if the guy's the best dunker, he should win. And it's one of these things that will mean something to, his, to him. Mm-hmm. It'll mean a lot more to him. And it'll mean something to his legacy that he won a dunk contest. And now... Also, with the fact that he lost is you're taking away him from being a dunker because he's probably out, and you're taking away a lot of the other guys who might think it's subjective. So when you're already, you know, hurting for stars to be in the dunk contest because you don't have the Michael versus Dominique anyway. Right. You know, you have the Derek Jones Jr. versus Aaron Gordon. LeBron won't do it, yeah. LeBron won't do it. No, no. So if you have the competition like this, if you have it the way it is right now, and you're getting even the best dunkers that you have right now. Because Aaron Gordon's one of the best dunkers, especially in a dunk competition. He's got unique dunks. He's jumped over guys. His dunks are just like ridiculous. Like I spent 10 minutes today just watching Aaron Gordon dunks. Because <laughs> they're just so they're, they're so yeah. much fun. No, yeah. And a having hopper. a guy that can't, you know, that doesn't want to be in this competition because of what you've done to it is kind of a disgrace. And I know, uh, you know, I'll get to a shout out with the NBA on a good side, but... I feel like it's a real disappointment because I feel like the NBA, you know, skills night or whatever they call it is really going downhill when they're, you know, changing up the skills contest and they're kind of ruining the dunk contest mm-hmm. by not giving the best guy the championship. Get back to the fun. Let yeah, the kids play. It's supposed play. to be fun. Let the kids play. Yeah, as Rob Manfred said tongue in cheek, let the kids play. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. We're all just God. We all just want sports to be fun, man. I love talking about baseball, but this has been brutal having to talk about this. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, let's finish up our show on some good news. First off, the shout out from all of us is to Brewdog. Brewdog. And Elvis Juice. Brewdog. Scotland to Columbus. This has been fantastic. Big fan of the grapefruit infused IPA, the Elvis Juice. I know I got mine done way before the time to switch over to a beer i finished i finished my second one well before the end of the show because this is just such a great sippable beer it's certainly a great summer beer i know is oh, yeah. the weather has kind of rebounded a little bit in we're the last week there. something good to go for so we're gonna start with our shout outs 
Josh, who are you shouting out? I am shouting out uh, the Bearcat that picked it up this week, Trayvon Scott, who is now averaging a double-double on the season. In his two games this week, had 50 points and 32 rebounds and shot 45% from the arc. He was named the American Athletic Conference Player of the Week in College Sports Madness. Also named him the Player of the Week. Oh, wow. Um, uh, the National Player of the Week, that is. And quick shout out to Lauren Christian Jackson from Akron last week who got that accolade from shout College out to Sports Zips. Madness. Oh. All righty. Zach, who are you shouting out? Uh, I'm going to shout out 12 Gauge, CD12, Cardale Jones. Whoa, whoa. Him and the Defenders are now 2 0, and Cardale has yet to lose as a starting quarterback since his days in high school. It is insane. Alrighty, now to my shout out. I was going to shout out the All-Star game, but no, I'm switching it up. I'm shouting out my man, Mike Trout. Finally, at the top of the game, the guy who will not call out people for being wrong will be the quiet guy sitting out in L.A. No, he's saying, you know what? What the Astros did is wrong. And if I'm the face of the game, if I'm the best player in the game, if I'm the best war guy in the game, I will tell He's you our man, what's man. going on is bullshit, and I'm not here oh, for Oh, by it. the way, I so want to know the him. expansion playoffs. We might actually get to see Mike Trout play a playoff game. So I win the argument. See I, you guys. I, 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 we win the argument. I'd do just about right. anything to well, see that. Shout out to Troy Scott. Shout out to 12 Gauge. Shout out to Mike Trout. Shout out to Zach. Shout out to Josh. Shout, shout out, out to all Reggie. you that are listening to 30 Rack on Twitter, on Facebook, on wherever you deal with your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Spread the word out. We enjoy so much hearing from you guys. So thank you so much. Once again, 30 Rack out.